What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Quite the uh, busy time for that uh, gentleman. He, I think he's going to go far, actually. What was Tom his name? Hanks? Tom. Tom. Hanks, Tom something? Yeah. Yeah. He's that guy from Bosom Buddies, right? That's right. That's... Oh, look, they're singing the song and everything. Geppetto? Or not Geppetto. Jiminy Cricket. Jiminy Cricket used to be one of my favorite characters. Now that they've made him 3D, I'm kind of horrified. <laughs> <laughs> this is a more than just podcast production. Welcome to Podcast Season 4, Episode 46. My name is Tim Mitchell. I'm in Toronto, Ontario, and I'm joined once again by Jonathan Kuline in Mississauga, Ontario. Greetings. And we also have Jaime Lopez Jr. on the line in Seattle, Washington. How's it going? United States of America. Alrighty, so let's start off with some fact check. Coriolanus is not a ballet. Coriolanus is an opera, and it's based on a tragedy written by William Shakespeare. Apparently, Coriolanus was a name given to an emperor, um after some battle at Coriol or something like that. Um, but yeah, and uh, interestingly enough, because I was kind of asking, I was wondering why, why they gave the name Coriolina Snow to the president in, in the book. But, uh, and it's, apparently this is late, I chose how much I know about Shakespeare, but apparently uh, it's, it was written late in his life around the same time as he wrote Anthony and Cleopatra, which was also a tragedy, right? Um, and uh, the reason why the Coriolanus is significant, I think, is because he didn't like plebeians, which are the little people, right? And isn't that sort of general governor, what's his name, President Snows, doesn't like the little people, right? Does that, does that work for you guys? Uh, that, that's all right. That's a, that'll work. Works. That's a good connection. All right. And Mark Leonard uh, played the first first ever Romulan commander in the Balance of Terror in uh, the original uh, uh, series, uh, season one. Later, he played Sarek, you know, Spock's father, on Journey of Babel, Journey to Babel, and in three films, uh, episode, um, Star Trek 3, 4, and 6, The Undiscovered Country, right? Um, and I've got a link here in the show notes to the Balance of Terror episode. Uh, and uh, the writer on the Ready Room was saying that, uh, in fact, the Balance of Terror was an inspiration for this last episode we watched last week. And um, Galileo 7, remember I talked about the, uh, the creation of the, the shuttle. Galileo 7 was the, it's the seventh shuttle on the Enterprise, the original Enterprise. And it made its first appearance, season one, episode 13. And it was apparently Spock's first solo command. So we'll have to watch if he has a solo command in, in um, Strange New Worlds, because then we'll have, to, you know, we'll have to throw an objection in that one, right? But, uh, and they're sent down to um, investigate this, this anomaly, another anomaly in space, imagine that. And uh, they have, they're forced to land on Taurus 3, and they, they, uh, they meet up with, you know, some really bad giant, um, at first invisible, you don't really see the, the menacing, you know, people throwing rocks and sticks and stuff at their sort of primitive weapons, right, at the, um, at the um, shuttle. And, uh, but it wasn't uh, Dr. Mbenga, it was... Uh, Scotty McCoy, Bach, and uh, another lady didn't get the name of her, and Mr. Boma, who is an astrophysicist, played by Don Marshall. Who, and the reason why he looks familiar to me is because he was he was one of the key characters in uh, Land of the Giants, which is later a big popular thing, right? So, and uh, Doctor Mbenga was played by Brooker Bradshaw on the original series, 
and uh, as well as a f- in a couple of episodes, Private War, Private Little War, and That Which Survives. And uh, I noticed uh, I went back and watched the uh, the beginning of Obi Wan just to sort of catch up because I, I watched the first episode in two pieces. I didn't watch it all at once, and there was a black female youngling in the opening scene there, Jonathan, just after the female Jedi gets Jedi gets um, gets killed by the Order sixty six people, um, and she's the one that says, "Let's run." So that could be the connection to our our uh, Riva, right? Is her name? Yeah, I, I'm. I'm 100% convinced that that's the case. Yeah. Okay, cool. And um, it's funny, I was thinking about Tashi Station, because um, now we just go on Amazon and order stuff, right? But back <laughs> in the 70s, you had to go to the hobby, you had to go to hobby shop to get your power converters and things like that, right? So I could see why Tashi Station would be a, a, a destination for Luke in the 70s, I'm doing our quotes. And I just looked this up just now, um, Jaime and I were waiting for John, uh, that cousin Niano Organa is the name of uh, Dushi Cousin. Played by Ian, Ian Inigo with a umlaut on the end, or not an umlaut, a squiggly on the end there. So I guess it's pronounced uh, in sort of a Spanish way. Hmm. And then you got something for us, Sean, here. Yeah, I had mentioned in the last uh, episode we were talking about some of the Star Wars reveals from Celebration, and one of them was that Star Wars Jedi Survivor, the sequel to... Um, Star Wars Fallen Order was coming and we were talking about whether or not it was going to be available on multiple platforms where it was going to be whatever and according to IGN this week they put out a piece saying that it is going to be uh, next gen only that is to say the most recent generation of technology so PS5 um, Xbox 867 or whatever they're at now uh, will be the ones that have it. So you 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 will have to get the newest. So resistance thing. is in fact futile, right? Yes, you you will have to have the newest and greatest and fanciest uh, by the time it comes out next year if you want to play the new game. Which or alternately not yeah. play it or yeah. or or that yeah. Alrighty, and then we'll move over to the headlines. And once again, Jonathan's gonna rhyme off a couple. Yeah, so we had uh, done a nice. Uh, pile of Star Wars Celebration news and notes from our last episode. Uh, Of course, Celebration continued past when we recorded, and uh, there was a few more things. So we got three more interesting announcements that came out of of Star Wars Celebration in California. We got a trailer and a uh, a time frame for the uh, new season of Bad Batch. So um, I'm... I think all of us are were fans of the first season. It's it was a I thought a really good strong show, and so um, yeah, really kind of fast paced, kind of um, exciting trailer for that one. Um, what did you guys make out of this one? It's interesting. I, I was reading something about the, the making connection with um, the resurrection of Palpatine somehow in there. I didn't see. I didn't really see anything that gave other than his faces in the sort of preview, but. Um, you know, just things blow up real good. Looks looks interesting. I didn't really get much plot points from watching them run around, and they seem they seem a little bit older. And or she the the character, I forgot her name now, seems a little bit older, right? Omega. Oh, Omega. Oh yes, Omega with the Omega. Australian accent. I think she's a Kiwi, actually. Kiwi. Okay. Yeah. Down under. Yep. How about you, Jaime? Yeah, I thought it was uh, a a good way to get. I was hyped. I am sad that it says fall 2022. It's like, come on, cowards, pick a day and just yeah. release it that day. <laughs> it's like, fall is not that far away, guys. <laughs> We're here in June. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean it's it's pretty action packed trailer. Like they, they they certainly aren't messing around. It's not uh, it's not a slow burn. They kind of they kind of throw you in the deep end, which is which is fun. But uh, yeah, I think it'll be interesting. I mean, obviously it was a pretty um, you know dynamic first season. This you know pretty important plot points in there as far as the overall Star Wars universe with you know uh, the destruction of Kamino and just you know all kinds of interesting stuff in there. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they sort of piggyback off that and and sort of head into season uh in season two but uh yeah i am i was surprised how much i liked that series i wasn't sure what to expect because i didn't love the bad batch when they first showed up in clone wars i thought you know it was kind of a gimmicky thing to sort of oh what if the clones were a little more you know different and unique from each other but but they really grew on me in that first season so i'm i'm, I'm excited about this one i'm looking forward to that show coming back and for people like me who have not seen their original stories in uh, Clone Wars, um, I did not find it necessary to do so. I'm sure it fills in things. I'm sure it, it elevates some of the things. But I think they did a good job of making it where you could just jump on right there and, and kind of catch up with what's going on. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And it, it it does fit really well into the timeline. Like you you really have a clear sense of where you are and when you are. And yeah, yeah, it's good. Um, we also got the reveal of a new series that's coming, a short anthology series following both uh, Count Dooku and Ahsoka called Tales of the Jedi. Um, interesting. Tales of the Jedi is the name of a Dark Horse comic series that came out 20, 25 years ago that was, uh, yeah, same same idea, sort of an anthology about just these different stories about the Jedi. Not quite the same thing, so for, for people who think that there's a parallel, I think it's a little different, but... Um, yeah, again, a nice a nice look at this one that sort of gives us a little bit of um, more backstory into some of the characters that we haven't gotten a lot of backstory. So it looks like from the clips that they were showing uh, that, that have been excerpted, um, they they didn't show the. I haven't seen a trailer for it. They've just shown like clips people have taken pictures or supplied by Lucasfilm. But uh, yeah, six part short animated series, um, and it is going to be split into two three episode anthologies one follows ahsoka and one follows count doku uh, when he is uh the master to qui-gon jinn and liam neeson is going to come back and play qui-gon jinn cool did we talk about ahsoka last week at all uh yep yeah. yep yeah. because i just heard today that they announced the um actress who's going to play sabine right did we talk about that that was part of that as well yeah the okay. uh the well. announcement that they yeah we didn't talk about her being cast but um they did show the the whole trailer last week but only at celebration right okay right they didn't actually release the trailer but apparently it is picks up so if, if, if you've watched rebels apparently it pretty much is just rebels to like it is about the quest to find Ezra. Sabine is in the trailer. Hera's in the trailer. Chopper's in the trailer. So if, oh, really cool. if you want to get in on on uh, understanding Ahsoka and what Ahsoka is about, that you you have to watch Rebels. Like there's just no way around it anymore. You have to watch Rebels. And. There was also speculation online. So last week we talked about Skeleton Crew, right? The new series that they announced that is um, 
John Watts is going to be creating and directing, uh, of course, from from Spider-Man. And there's a little bit of speculation out there that Jude Law, who he will be playing in that, might be, um, oh, God, what's his name? Admiral Thrawn. Mm, Really? And it might be about sort of tying into that whole sort of Mandalorian timeline, Ahsoka timeline, Book of Boba Fett timeline. Um, and he might be the sort of casting for the main villain. And if you, this is Jude Law, you said, yeah, if you know Jude Law and you know, Admiral Thrawn, you're like, Oh, that makes perfect sense. He'd be- yeah, but I thought he, didn't he just get a, another skeletons or is that the same thing we're talking about? Well, yeah, no, that's the thing is they're saying maybe he is, cause they don't say what he's doing in skeleton group. They just say he is in this show that is about these kids who are, are trying to sort of, you know, uh, find their way around or whatever they don't say whether he's the good guy the bad guy or anything so so people are sort of speculating that wouldn't he make an excellent thrawn and and when i heard that i was like oh my god they're right that would be an amazing thrawn but uh yeah so this again star wars star wars Star Wars. the last thing that they announced was the uh second season for star wars visions so we we had obviously talked about visions on this show and uh it was the series that was done in a variety of anime styles that covered all kinds of, you know, uh, different takes on the, the Star Wars universe, some of it contemporary, some of it classic, and uh, overall pretty neat, just neat ideas of, of looking at the Star Wars um, legends and stuff like that a little differently. So I think, again, I'm glad that they're getting more of that. It, I think it worked. Hmm. Cool. Yeah. Um, any of these stand out to you guys? Are you particularly excited or interested in any of all of this? No, it's Star Wars. <laughs> it's good stuff. I, I think I like Star Wars Visions because it's pretty snackable. You know, I don't mm-hmm. have to feel like, yeah. oh man, yeah. I got to get ready for even a, you know, a, a three episode, a four episode series. It's like, okay, okay. How long is each one? Am I, am I in the mood? It's like, nope. Every story is independent. Like an hour They're and like a half too. 15 yeah. minutes yeah. tops. So you, you're taking a, you know, a, a coffee break or something you can, or tea or eating a sandwich. Like you can just watch one and enjoy yourself and then move on with your life. It's, it's, it's so different from everything else that is, you know, meant to be a movie. That's kind of a broader series or a part of a, a limited series or a recurring, you know, episodes of TV show. Kind of nice to have something that's just one and done, but a whole collection of them. That's what, I, that's what I like about Love, Death, and Robots. It's the same sort of thing. It's a short little, and they're all different styles. I mean, I don't think I watched the all of the the other visions of, from the first season, right? So, but you're right. They're they're quick quick little hits of uh, Star Wars, right? Hmm. Yeah. No. Yeah. I, I think uh, I think all of this sounds really. Again, it, they definitely are. It's funny because for the longest time, it was like, oh, the new movie. What's the new movie? Oh, every two or three years, the big movie. They didn't announce any movies. Not 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 one. Not one oh, movie true. announcement right. came out of Celebration. They didn't say anything. And yet mm. everyone is in a tizzy over all the things they announced. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. Real change of, of direction, but a great, a great and welcome one again. If you're, if you've heard. Yeah, but I mean, six, six one hours is way better than a movie, really, you know? I think that's the thing that everyone's coming around to. I mean, this Obi-Wan series, which we'll talk about later in the episode... It was originally planned to be, you know, they were doing those, you know, a Star Wars story, Rogue One, a Star Wars story, and and uh, Solo, a Star Wars story. This was supposed to be a Star Wars story. They actually, they, a screenwriter credit on this show is to the guy who was supposed to write that Obi-Wan movie, and it was supposed to be a movie, two hours. Well, instead of two hours, we're going to get six hours. How could that not be better? Yeah, true. true. 
Like, I mean, the budget looks the same. It doesn't look like they've shortchanged anything on the budget, right? No. Except that none of the vehicles have wheels. That bothers me, but, you know, besides that. <laughs> Cheaped out on the wheels, the, the, the 20-inch rims. Exactly, exactly. All right. Um, and again, speaking of Obi-Wan, this one is upsetting. There have apparently been a number of people who have watched the first few episodes of the Obi-Wan series and taking it upon themselves to uh, target the woman who is playing the lead um, of, of the, the third sister, Reva, is a, an actress named Moses Ingram. And apparently she has been the target of a number of very offensive racist attacks online uh, after the first two episodes came out. And... You know, this is one of those ones where the pendulum swings. So all of these monsters online felt the need to target her personally because of of her character on the show. That makes no sense, right? I mean, this is very reminiscent of what happened to Kelly Marie Tran in, you know, with the the Star Wars Episode 8, you know, stuff and... I mean, it's just wildly, wildly offensive. And I, and again, I think it goes without saying the three of us stand fully in support of, of Moses Ingram and, and denounce these idiots who behave this way. But, uh, you know, thankfully, the, the, the bounce back of that, the pendulum swinging the other way is that everybody from, from uh, you know, Hugh McGregor to, uh, I saw Anson Mount posted the other day saying, you know, uh, he, you know, the Star Trek universe stands in solidarity with her and d- denounces this behavior. But um, really upsetting to see a, a branch of the fandom, uh, you know, I mean, Hugh McGregor was pretty forceful in his comment. He said, as far as I'm concerned, if you're acting like this, you're not a true Star Wars fan. And I agree. I mean, in, in, you know, Star Wars has a sp- an unfortunate and a bit of a spotty record when it comes to portraying race, but um, there's no excuse. There's no excuse for any of this. It's it's just unconscionable to treat somebody like that at anyone, let alone uh, a performer like this. So, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, just just like shocking that you know, I just uh, I don't know what goes through people's heads that they they equate you know, these things and, and are like, well, I can treat somebody like this because of the anonymity of the internet. But then yeah, but there's, that, yeah. there's that whole, you know, you're ruining my country nonsense going on right now in the States. Right. So I mean, that's, it's spreading into all kinds of crazy places where, you know, the whole replace replacement theory. Right. So Ugh. let's not even go there, but still. Yeah. Yep. Anyway, it uh yeah, I'm 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 glad that the pendulum has swung back on it. I'm glad that so much of the fandom has embraced her. I think her performance so far has been quite good and I think that she deserves uh nothing but respect for what she's doing and uh and, and I hope that that continues. Um part of the Celebration was also, uh, they were talking about the Willow series, the Star Wars Celebration, because it's a Lucas uh, film project. And we were talking last week about whether or not Val Kilmer as Mad Mardigan may or may not appear based on his um, uh, health. Obviously, Val Kilmer himself, who played the part famously in the 1980s, has had throat cancer and is having difficulty speaking. And there was a little sort of cryptic he's part of it, he's not part of it. And this week we finally got the definitive, he is not part of it. 
like that is to say he is not actually appearing in it but what they seem to be saying is, is that his sort of legacy of his character is very strongly fe- felt in this so he is not actually in it but his spirit of his character is very much in it so i'm i didn't see how it was logical obviously given um you know the impairment that that Val has unfortunately uh had happened to him as a result of his cancer but uh mm-hmm. But, you know, it makes sense. And I'm glad that they're going to honor the character because Mad Martigan was such a wonderful character, uh, you know, uh, for the people who have enjoyed that that fantasy story all these years. He's he's just so much fun. Yeah, definitely. He was part of the, the whole B plot of the story for sure. Like he did he did carry it along quite a bit. So, yeah. It, I mean, yeah, we'll, we'll t- we might talk about him later, but yeah, we'll. Uh, <laughs> um, I mean, Jaime and I might talk about him later. All right. Um, oh, and so this is this one came out last week, and I just I, I just happened to be poking around. I won't tell you what I was searching for on the internet, but uh, but this popped up, and I thought it was kind of interesting. Uh, this is a list that came out last week: uh, the forty-five best sci-fi TV shows and movie podcasts. And guess who's in number? What are we number twenty? I think it is number nineteen. What? Nineteen moving up. Yeah, nineteen. Yeah, so Spotcast is uh, number nineteen on this list, which which means that's kind of cool. I mean. Um, could be part of uh, our change of providers. We're getting more exposure now, and we are getting we have more more listeners. But uh, yeah, so what is it? I don't know what the F and the twenty eight mean, but um, uh, they say one episode per day. Well, that's interesting because <laughs> we're not doing one episode per day. We barely do one per week. But yeah, and apparently we started in September twenty seventeen, so we've been out there for a while, right? Oh, and they've got Toronto and Seattle, Jaime. You get a shout out there. How about that? <laughs> what? Cool. Mississauga? What? What? But where? What? Yeah, oh, there's no Mississauga on here. Oh, what do you know? I know, eh? Scandalous. So underwhelmed. Oh, well. Yep. Were you surprised to hear that, that um, what was the show that was re- filmed in... in uh, oh, Strange New Worlds, yeah. Yeah, Strange... Is that the one? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I knew they were doing that because they, uh, obviously... They started um, doing the filming of that during the pandemic. Yeah. And okay. um, part of it was that they but they started filming it at the studios that are up closer to the airport. And, of course, in a weird misnomer. Which is technically Mississauga. Mississauga yeah. is where the the large Toronto International or Pearson well, Airport it's the Pearson is. Pearson International Airport. Right? Yeah. So, uh, yeah. It was a little bit surprising that uh, that was the case, but um, but I know that that uh, you know it makes a lot of sense too. Although again, if you if you you know think about it, if you're working on Discovery, you get to be like you know just adjacent to downtown Toronto, and if you're working on Strange New Worlds, you have to be up near the airport. I, I think you kind of win if you if you're working on Discovery. Yeah, true. Not yeah. not a lot of uh, outside of the uh, only. Um, um, you know, airport strip clubs and, and weird stuff like that. There's really not much up in that neighborhood. It's it's a little um, industrial. Yeah. But they can jump on a plane, show up and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Cool. Over to you, honey. So Apple TV Plus is going to get a live action uh, Speed Racer production. So um, J.J. Abrams is executive producing. And uh, I don't think they have a director attached. It's a very short story. I'm looking. We got showrunners. From uh, Westworld and Snowfall, um, it, yeah. I, apparently, you know, this '60s anime series is going to continue going on. Uh, it, well, didn't they do a, a Jesse Pinkman Speed Racer movie? Uh, yeah. The Need for Speed, I think, was the one he was. Oh, in. was that Need for Speed? Okay, that wasn't um, this thing. No, I, uh, I've never watched Speed Racer. I don't know. The, I don't have any context. That, that Japanese anime 
guy who runs around in a white car. How that yeah, works. yeah, with uh, he's he's always uh, you know in in battle with the mysterious racer X, and yeah. uh, it, it's interesting how this this anime series has influenced a whole bunch of things that people are like not really aware of. You know the you know who is this mysterious racer and or who is this mysterious villain and their relationship to me. If you go to like the video games area, it's like oh, uh, Mega Man and Proto Man, and we're talking way back in the, the Nintendo uh, Entertainment System days, the Famicom days. Um, it's in retrospect, I'm like, oh, that's exactly Speed Racer. Not about racing, yeah. but they set up that relationship exactly the same way between those two characters. So, um, you know, kind of like Scooby Doo or Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles or something, Batman, like this sort of stuff. I think is pretty iconic and classic. So even if uh, you know, hopefully this does well, and if it doesn't, just wait it out. It will be a recap, sorry, a uh, a reboot or another try. Uh, you know, fourteen years hence. So it's funny because they did do the the live action movie. I don't know, Jaime, if you've seen that one. Uh, the Wachowskis did casually. It's a weird one. It's a weird. It's one. a very weird one. It's an it's an extremely weird one. It's f- yeah. I mean, uh, so it w- wasn't the next thing that they did after the Matrix. They did Matrix, then they did V for Vendetta, and then Invasion, and then um, Speed Racer. But it was it's if you sort of look at the the descending list of the the Wachowski career, where it's like, oh, they did uh, the Matrix and Matrix Reloaded, and all these they're making huge money, and then V for Vendetta. Oh man, it's a little bit less, and then Invasion makes a lot less, and then it's Speed Racer, and it just keeps declining from there. Cloud Atlas, Jupiter uh, Jupiter Ascending, which was horrible. Um, yeah, oh, they did it, all those movies. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, interesting. Interesting that uh, this was sort of part of their legacy, and it's really kind of a forgotten part of their legacy that that they they were. Worked on this one. That's the last thing I think I've, I've seen of Speed Racer, and that was 2008. So yeah, hmm. like so, in yeah, that Shyamalan, they suffer from the reverse um, career where yeah. you would kind of want their first film to be the last thing they did, and they go out on a high note. Um, yeah. Whereas you you knock it out of the ballpark with that very first one, and it's it's hard to hit that level time and time again. For sure. So Disney ends still drunk with power when it comes to making live action <laughs> versions of, of, you know, classic Disney properties. The next one in line here premiering uh, on Disney plus September 8th is Pinocchio with um, Tom Hanks as Geppetto. It's uh, we were talking before the show about Jiminy Cricket being a, a, a little odd, but probably a better design than trying to go realistic and natural, like, you know, like the Lion King characters. Um, so, yeah. so I give him props for that. I kind of think that this one might work because Pinocchio necessarily has an uncanny valley aspect to him, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, no, no telling if they'll they'll stick the landing when spoilers. Pinocchio becomes a real boy at the end of the story, but um, for the the wooden puppet come to life, I'm like a little bit of not quite there would actually kind of work well for a realistic take uh, or an, a live action take on Pinocchio. Yeah, it's funny all these sort of moral moral stories that they told in the old days. I think this is Italian, right? Obviously with the name, but like the whole idea of of trying to get kids to stop lying. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like and and mm-hmm. you know having have them go through all these trials and horrors and stuff like that. That uh, you know trying to get kids to stop eating candy and in uh, Hansel and Gretel and things like that, right? 
it's funny how these stories get, you know, Disney yeah. gets a hold of them and they become wholesome and clean and <laughs> like that. And they really, really are horror, horror stories. But then, of course, that can backfire too. Did, did you guys see the when Winnie the Pooh was announced last week as as, as going into the public domain? Oh, yeah. Oh. So, what oh, did somebody do like a trailer, like a serial killer Winnie the Pooh? 100% that on day one. There was, there was uh, I think it's called Blood and Honey. Winnie the right. Pooh, Blood and Honey. So, Basically, the the deal is is that the A.A. Milne Winnie the Pooh is now in the public domain, not the Disney version. So you can't portray him wearing the little uh, uh, red shirt. You know, there's certain things you are not allowed to do based on their interpretation of Winnie the Pooh. But Winnie the Pooh, the name and the, you know, overall the the A.A. Milne books are in the public domain. So as soon as it hit that, the trailer dropped online of this, like, what looks like a horror or a slasher movie with uh, with Winnie the Pooh, this giant, you know, this full-size man in a Winnie the Pooh costume. It's it's horrifying. But uh, yeah, that's the, immediately where, you know, like, again, Pinocchio is not a Disney property, but Pinocchio has been done for hundreds of years, right? It's an old uh, Italian fable. Yeah, exactly. um, yeah, but but of course everybody's you know remembers the Disney one the best because it was a masterpiece of animation for its time and even to this day is still an incredible piece of animation. But uh, yeah, it's just it, these things can backfire so quickly. I do wonder if modern Disney is willing to do what I think is correct for the Pinocchio character. So when he's on Pleasure Island, I think he has to to drink and smoke and i know it would be controversial yeah. it was like well but like kids shouldn't do that it's like exactly that's exactly the lesson that that's the, the, the little yeah. puppet needs to learn of like you know these are called vices for a reason drinking and smoking are not good things we can have arguments about whether adults should do them but very clearly children should not do them and therefore pinocchio should learn that like yeah. you shouldn't do this thing yep he eats cake too that's kind of a, a, a lesser vice. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. So we condone cake, but not cigarettes, right? <laughs> I mean, I guess it's right. in, in, in quantity, right? Because if it goes to like the gluttony standpoint, then we're starting to talk about seven deadly sins, right? Yeah. Well, all right. Back to Jonathan for story yeah so we, we talked uh we, the reason we were talking about corleanus right is that uh the hunger games prequel is being cast and um and of course corleanus snow is the, the the president played by donald sutherland in the in the uh trilogy and so we were talking about that and uh lo and behold more news from district 12 so the prequel um which I think they're still calling Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, which is the name of the book that's based on. Uh, Rachel Ziegler is going to play the lead in that. And she, of course, was in the um, West Side Story, uh, the Steven Spielberg version that came out at the end of last year and uh, got a lot of acclaim for that. So apparently she is going to be playing the uh, yeah uh, Lucy Gray Baird. Uh, who is a uh, as the sort of female protagonist of, of that one, and uh, it's going to run afoul of of Coriolanus Snow, um, who uh, is going to be played by Tom Blythe. So now we have an idea of who we're going to see, and now we just need to have them actually make this movie. It's supposed to be out in uh, November seventeenth, twenty twenty-three. So we'll see how much we remember about this, and uh, <laughs> by the time it comes around, to actually being released. Yep. Is she, she's playing, I guess, the Natalie Wood character in West Side Stories? 
where Natalie would roll. I, I must admit, I haven't seen the new West Side Story adaptation. Yeah, is it on Disney? Or can I forget. I don't know. It is well, a Disney. Let's ask Jaime. Jaime, have you been cleaning the house and watching West Side Story? <laughs> uh, I have not. Uh, who who has that on stream? I guess I got to check that link. I got to. I should have bookmarked the one that Tim. I thought it was put. Disney Plus initially because it came out as a, as you could buy it and then then you could watch it, right? I don't think it was like that in the states. So I gotta, I gotta dig up that link. Mm. I should have bookmarked it. Instead, I gotta dig it out of our own show notes. The one where you said, you know, you can plug in the name and figure out where it's streaming in your area. Okay, all right. We were talking about this movie last week because of the number of theaters it was in. Yeah. Speaking of streaming, um, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness is coming to Disney Plus on June twenty second, and I did not check. Is that across the world here that has Disney Plus? Yeah, I saw anything that says not as well. Okay, good, good. So this is yep. a little bit beyond the 45-day window, I think, um, right? 45 days would have been the first week of June? Yep. Not, not by much, not but, it, yeah. uh, but pretty close. Um, Did um, Without getting sorry. too spoilery, because I haven't seen this, I was looking at the schedule and said, okay, I think Miss Marvel comes out in next week. Yep. Did, is that timing bad? Like, should I avoid the first week or two of Miss Marvel? prior to nope. watching the multiverse of madness not at all okay perfect so they they knew what they were doing when they timed it out <laughs> yeah cool and just a quick uh pickup off of the release dates thing jaime you had mentioned uh in a recent episode that the new fantastic beasts movie was coming to hbo max mm-hmm. before the long weekend I do not know when it dropped, but I noticed today when I went to log in to watch strange new worlds that it is available on crave here in Canada already. So I think yeah, a couple of, a couple of, couple of days ago. Yeah. I think timing I think. wise, I think it was roughly right. the same. I think, I think you got it this week, right? From, yeah, from we got, uh, I, I didn't actually watch it this, this long weekend. Um, but it was the what the 30th, May 30th. It's on crave for us, right, John? Yeah. I, I, again, I think it just dropped like maybe two days ago. Yeah, I remember seeing. It. I was watching something else on on that. Yeah, so that's good. I'm 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 looking forward to watching it. Anyways, I I I wasn't yeah. wasn't going to venture out of the house for that one, but I'll watch yeah. it for sure when it's on on the streaming service I already pay for. So, well, you can get a couple of chairs and push them together and pretend you're on an airplane. <laughs> Do I have to sit like really close to it and like yeah, put a maybe, little maybe rumble in? Savior sit in front of you. You can kick his chair or something like that. <laughs> yeah, microwave a. TV dinner from a dollar store and <laughs> <laughs> drink your water in a tiny cup. Yeah. For sure. Recreate that experience. Offered, offered to babysit one of the neighborhood chi- children who can scream and kick your chair. Yeah. The most yeah. colicky baby that you can find. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> well, you guys are making me really want to get back aboard an airplane again. Did I ever tell you I took, I actually was on a flight with a Tickle, tickle Me Elmo doll. <laughs> like when those came out. No. It was just no. horrible. Horrible. Anyway, uh, so we're at the main part of the show where we start talking about the, the, the features of the week, and this week we're talking about, uh, we're doing some Star Wars in a bit, but first we're going to talk about uh, Star Trek, Strange New Worlds, Season 1, Episode 5, Freaky Friday! <laughs> oh, oh, no, sorry, uh, Spockamuck. <laughs> All right, and I think Jaime's going to do a recap. Yeah, we, we start out uh, with Spock on the planet Vulcan, presumably in a wedding ceremony with, with Dupring and... I feel bad making an aside within the first sentence here, but man, the design on that outfit. Like, I 
I had to sort of double check of like, is she wearing something or did they CGI it on? Because it was like painted <laughs> onto her. I was like, wow, I have not seen the, this, the 60s show in a long time. I don't remember it being quite so much. And, and they definitely had a lot of, you know, uh, body parts exposed everywhere for a 60s show. Uh, but nevertheless, this is a case where, um, you know, Spock is now a, a filthy human with blunt ears. And Pring has chosen violence. He's got to fight. He says, well, who am I supposed to fight? And it's pointy-eared Spock. And we get that classic music that is just, you yeah, know, chef's kiss uh, to, to your ears. And, and you know, round ear Spock, our hero, he, he dies. Um, he loses the battle. But thankfully, he was just, uh, just a nightmare. When they... He even gets the even gets the gash across his chest, which is what Kirk got when he was fighting Spock in the original mock time. Yeah. <laughs> it's the music. Honestly, the scene was made by the yeah. music. It's just yeah, for sure. Oh my god. Yeah. They are definitely keying into a classic thing where, you know, the, so good. the Jim Carrey the, the cable guy had that, you know, he was like dun, 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 when they're at the yeah. uh the, the Camelot show or or you know feast yeah, oh, yeah, type yeah. Thing. The, the medieval times kind of show. So yeah. it was great to see it here. Um, uh, we learned that the USS Enterprise has uh, returned to Starbase One for repairs, rest, and relaxation after their encounter with the Gorn. In the previous episode, Spock reunites with T'Pring uh, in his quarters, and she just immediately does not approve of his bachelor pad because they're, <laughs> it's too human for a Vulcan, which isn't sitting too well for his... Uh, if you haven't figured out from the nightmare, Spock is struggling with a do I measure up in a, a Vulcan sort of way. And the best line she says is, is you know, when he's uh, he's criticizing his his um, apartment for having for looking too human and, to, you know, like not not being a what a proper Stark, you know, Vulcan would have. And and he says, well, I'm re- I'm redirecting redecorating. She says, well, I'll reserve my comments for when you're finished redecorating. <laughs> Otherwise, she's going to come and lay into him anyway. Right. That, the- it's so funny because it's this whole thing is framed around logic, but it's also weirdly passive aggressive. Yeah, totally. Like it, it, the arguments that they're having, but with like complete straight faces, is just ugh. <laughs> it's, it's painful. You work too much, and you're not paying attention to me. Exactly. Yeah, and that is sort of the central thing they start out with, right? That like to bring wants Spock to reprioritize their relationship, but Spock is. A darn workaholic, and this will bite him several times in this episode. Uh, but that's, I guess we're going to call it our A story, because we've got an A, B, and C story. C story? Yeah. Eh, there's, there's like a D story, but like, let's stick with the, the primary three. The kind of thing that the crew is going to be generally doing, Pike in particular, is there's this situation with the uh, Rungovian Protectorate, which sits between Klingon and Romul- well, autocorrect, Romulan space, and it's uh, the fastest route to the Beta Quadrant, as uh, Admiral Robert April tells us, right? Um, negotiations have not gone well for trying to negotiate, you know, allyship or at least, you know, secure passage through this area. Um, the Rungovians uh, bring along an, an old solar ship for ceremonial duties where they will fly the flag of their... Um, you know, their new negotiated ally, should things go well. Otherwise, I guess they slowly go home <laughs> or get a tugboat to come out of ground. They, <laughs> they didn't really talk about the uh, the downside of, of what happens when the negotiations don't work. Um, but 
these folks are also sort of weird because they just show up kind of unannounced, right? And uh, Captain Vasso and uh, Brax uh, show up. They meet Robert April, the Admiral, and say, nope, guess what? We only speak to Captain Pike because that's who we were appointed to see. Right? And they're just kind of really brisk with their movements here. Uh, Brax has noticed Spock's pointy ears. He's like, oh, Volca, really into so logic, right? Yep, that's, that's what we do. <laughs> And then immediately they kind of tear into the whole idea of like, so how does this, uh, how does this like democracy thing works? You, you all come together and vote on this stuff. Like, don't you lose direction? Don't you kind of lose self? That's not the way we do things in the Rogovians. That is. So that's kind of setting up our, our, you know, second big story. The sort of collective C story, which I might call it there is, you know, the crew getting a little bit of you know, semi-shore leave. It's not go to Ryza shore leave. It's like, hey, guess what? You can go hang out on this planet, do some stuff. So there's Chapel, Lieutenant Ortega's. They meet up with uh, Dr. Mbenga in sickbay. Everyone's getting ready to explore the heavenly bodies on shore leave or go fishing. Just kind of depends what your jam is. But uh, we, we learned that Lieutenant Singh and number one, Una, are apparently known as... Uh, you know, where fun goes to die. So nobody expects them <laughs> to do anything cooler. Just think they're going to go, you know, reconfigure the warp coils and, you know, scrub out the, uh, you know, replicator synth- uh, matter synthesizers. What do they call it in Sarah? Synthesizers? Synthesizers, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And uh, unfortunately, they we're not supposed to learn about this, you know, way that other people think of them. So... It's like, hey, Chief Kyle, beam them the heck out of there because it's getting real awkward. So that's setting up our our collective sea story for the, the crew doing nutty things in shore leave. Um, in this case, we now run across Spock, who we know was sort of you know ambushed by uh, by the negotiations, and he shows up for dinner late. And uh, guess what? His lady has gotten upset because that's what people do, right? And they show the food that she had made for dinner. I'm like. Okay, you know, I mean, she had to put some effort to figure it out, but like the synthesizer did it, <laughs> right? It's not the same as like yeah, uh, yeah. being over a stove, but, but it's you traditional. know, it's, it's traditional and it's a romantic dinner. I mean, that's the point, right? So yeah, yeah, it, and it looked it looked pretty good. It actually, looked pretty entertaining, like pretty appetizing. You know, yeah, I mean, weird uh, Vulcan way. If your significant other is supposed to to come home at a particular time from work and you've ordered Uber Eats, it still the effort that you put forth is like hey what the heck <laughs> like why didn't you tell me you weren't coming right and i don't feel uh respected as a as a romantic partner so spock's digging himself a hole here uh down on the planet i think right is where this restaurant is is that where this planet is i lost track of where nurse chapel was at i don't know if she was on the station or she's on the planet do you guys know but she's meeting up with this this guy that she's sort of been casually seeing right yeah yeah, yeah. She was doing. She was doing the girlfriend sort of like uh, Ortegas was saying. Do I do I leave my communicator on? Do I buzz you? Do I red alert or something like? How do you want me to break this up when it goes badly? Kind of deal. You know, the yeah, wingman yeah. sort of thing, right? Exactly. And and Nurse Chapel had wanted to go in just as casual. It's just having fun. But this dude is like not getting the hint about about you know. She clearly wants to knock boots, right? He's like. Hey, I, I want to eat. She says, no, let's just get out of here. He's like, no, I kind of want to eat there. Salamanders or oysters, whatever it is that he had said. <laughs> and, and he starts talking about this serious relationship, and he is not on the same page as her. So there's, there's some issues there. Uh, you've separately got the um, uh, uh, 
I'm going to, instead of number one, which I wrote in my notes, I'm going to say Una. So Una and Lieutenant Singh uh, talk about their nickname and they're like, what's up with that? Had you ever heard this? Oh, I hadn't heard this. Like, I'm kind of not terribly bothered by it. Like, I really don't care. And at that point, someone has apparently been breaking into secured access areas. So they go with their guns ready to pew, 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 whoever it is. But it turns out it's just some crew members and specifically it's some really dumb ensigns. And, and we'll come back to, to this one because we're back at the restaurant with you know, Nurse Chapel and, and Spock chatting at the restaurant, talking about his, his really dumb relationship moves, just giving him some advice. And he apparently decides to take this advice and say, you know what, to bring, let's do this Vulcan soul sharing ritual to understand. Well, before you get back to that, you, so, so Nurse Chapel, when, she's, when Spock is being dumb about the relationship, she whacks him across the forehead. You know, to kind of wake him up out of his his dumbness, right? Yeah, it gets real. Everyone chooses violence in this episode. <laughs> it's kind of a theme. Here. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you're right. She does. Um, so Spock wants to do Vulcan soul shearing ritual, understand each other's point of view. It should be a pretty straightforward thing. But then, using Tim's comment here, Freaky Friday happens. They're like, "Oh no, oh, yeah, our katras have swapped. We're in each other's bodies now, and we can't undo it." So that's uh, that's not great. Complicating matters is the fact that Admiral April tells Captain Pike, like, guess what? The Rungovians are unhappy. They want to cancel all future meetings because they don't feel that there is a connection. Kind of was able to convince them to hang around, but they don't want to talk to you, Mr. Pike. They want to talk to Spock. And this leads us into uh, Spock into bringing hijinks where they sort of try to pretend <laughs> that they're the other person using completely the wrong terms and tone. Pike is a little weirded out and he encounters them in their uh in Spock's quarters and they they end up spilling the beans and he he kind of takes this as, as a joke a little bit oddly in stride and then sort of goes with like I I kind of need this done buddy <laughs> like regardless of what's going on here mm-hmm. so Spock who's actually Tapring will fill in at the negotiations they choose. Now, we, we talked about the sort of casual nature of, of, of them referring to each other, because she, she obviously calls him Chris, whereas Spock calls him Captain. And, and it, I thought it was really interesting the way the two actors, like, um, um, act, acts like the, the female actress. Like, he takes on her mannerisms, and then she takes on his mannerisms. And she starts calling... Um, she initially calls him Captain, like in, in Spock in the woman's body says Captain and then corrects and says Chris. And so it's kind of like we, we commented on the fact that, you know, um, uh, Christopher Pike called uh, Ortega's Erica last week, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the, so this strange casual behavior. And, and the but fact here, that he calls like here, Bob. <laughs> exactly. But here it would make sense that, like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. that, that Pring would call him Chris, but... Spock would call him captain, right? And yeah. and it's that's sort of in the giveaway when you're sort of like in case you weren't paying attention to the last ten minutes that they've actually changed bodies, right? Yeah. You no. Know? Like it wasn't super obvious that, that um uh, Ethan Peck was holding his hands in the way that Ping was when she was standing there, right? Kind of thing. Unless you unless you really looked for it. Yeah, yeah good but uh, good pick up there. always fun love- when somebody has to pretend to be a character pretending to be another character. Yeah, I love that how meta they are about the hijinks, right? Like they call it right out, so that you're immediately like, "Oh, Freaky Friday!" Oh, hijinks! And they're like, "Yeah, yeah hijinks!" Yeah. You're like, "Okay," or you're you're in on the joke, right? Yeah, it that is it, as an aside. The meta for this show is that 
um, they kind of seem to appreciate it. Like, yep, that's just called being in Starfleet. It's just Thursday. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Space like, anomaly, oh, kind of people swapping happens. bodies. Somebody came back from the dead. That's just Thursday. <laughs> well, yeah. This is, this is, shore, this is sh- typical shore leave on, on one of these. Sh- and this is what this one is. This is the shore leave episode for for this one. I mean, like, you know, we had the, what was that, that doll that Riker gives? Oh, the um, Horgon, yeah. The Horgon. And then you've got the episode where um, McCoy gets killed trying to save a damsel in distress and all that kind of stuff. Those ones, and then shows up with the with the Playboy bunnies, right? <laughs> yeah. Carry on. Uh, back over to Una and Lieutenant Singh. They are seen calling dibs on who gets to be the the good cop versus the bad cop, and they both <laughs> want bad cop because they're going to interrogate these dumb ensigns. It is actually kind of funny to see them handling things very differently you know the the bad cop lieutenant singh is just like destroying the the one instant emotionally whereas una's like hey how's it going you need something to drink it's okay <laughs> they're kind of cocoa, laughing enjoying. um turns out these ensigns were caught participating in enterprise bingo and they say here that all they needed to finish out the bingo was just signing the scorch which will will come up later in this episode, but it, it leaves us with uh, some fun stuff. So if you recall, uh, T'Pring, which is actually Spock, is just supposed to hang out in Spock's quarters and unfortunately gets a phone call intended for the real T'Pring, and they're like, hey, we really need you to take care of this. Um, it's like a like a Vulcan criminal dude. Ter- not Terrace is the wrong guy. It's like, a, like an anti-establishment guy who like, they don't mm. believe in, in logic, or at least they don't they don't slavishly uh, follow logic, right? I, I forget what they call themselves, but they're they're an offshoot of the the normal Vulcan society. They're like, hey, we need you to fill in and help with this guy. Well, they so, do say he led an uprising, so he's he is not a good guy. Yeah, and they're trying to get him to turn turn himself in, right? Yeah, and only she can capture him, sort of thing. Um. We swap back over here and learn that the Enterprise Bingo game is a game played by ensigns and lower ranking, which I'm guessing cadets, maybe non-commissioned folks. I don't really know how Starfleet's ranking. Yeoman. Yeoman. Oh, okay. Yeah, possibly. Um, So the people who never have fun say, well, let's figure out what's going on here. What's the big deal? So they decide to play the game, which... They don't go through the entire thing, but we are given a hint of uh, a handful of things. So the first thing up is to chew gum, bubble gum, until the flavor goes away, and then see if the flavor returns after you go through the transporter, which is <laughs> like, that should horrify people who have like, wait a minute, <laughs> wait a minute here. <laughs> are you sure it's me that comes back? Because I don't think this gum <laughs> yeah, exactly. came back. Did, did, it's did a you, murder machine, I was telling you. Yeah, you're right? telling me that somebody made this thing beam in flavor? Where does the flavor come from, Bob? Where does the flavor come from? <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, the second yeah. thing is for them to do some sort of um, like quick draw challenge of like, who can go, they both go into the turbo lift and they tell the computer simultaneously different destinations. And apparently the winner is whoever the computer decides to listen to. So, uh, <laughs> Kind of a weird way. Right. The the more I don't know uh, why that's part of bingo. I'd have done that every time I got into a transcendent <laughs> lift. 
Yeah, for sure. Just just trolling, just doing uh, career limiting moves with the senior officers. Where they're about to say bridge, you like lower decks. It's like, oh, are you serious, bro? Just staring yeah. at you as you like, go all the way down, and then all the way back up to the bridge. Sorry, Captain Pike, we're going for a ride. Uh, the the more traditional uh, quick draw thing they do is apparently a a, a duel with uh with phasers with each uh set on the lowest setting which i guess stings at that setting it's it you know phasers are set to mildly annoying i suppose <laughs> I, i'd like to see that in an actual like combat situation somebody forgot to turn their phaser up and they're just like ow that stings yeah <laughs> and of course una sh- or una gets shot by by uh, uh lana and uh she says, "Wait!" This is as Lana shoots her. So. Yeah, yeah. Not not a good moment to have second thoughts. Uh, we do end up with uh, Lieutenant Ortegas and Nurse Chapel on the campgrounds talking about these relationship troubles and like, oh, they kind of don't want to be around to Pring because they kind of know a bit of what's going up with Spock, but not the fact that this is actually Spock in the Ring's body. And he shows up to uh, to talk to Nurse Chapel, tell her what happened. <laughs> Right. And, uh, you know, it it will become kind of interesting to see how this plays out. But we do switch back over to Spock, who's actually to bring going through the negotiations with the Rungovians. And it's it's not necessarily going that well. Right. Because they start talking about like, hey, does the Federation suppress the cultures within? Right. You're you're here as a Vulcan. You're you're one of many voices. Do you become less Vulcan essentially by participating? And you brought, and you brought your human pet with you, sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, so Captain Pike, you know, interjects, which he's not supposed to, because the human folks were, per the Rogovians' request, at this point only allowed to be there in the negotiations as quiet observers. Uh, but Pike interjects here to just you know, hype up Spock of like, no, this is actually, you know, how important you are and in, in dealing with this whole thing and, and mixing of the culture. Like this is part of being in the Federation, right? It's not a suppression. It's a, a celebration of these things. And Rungovians are impressed by Pike standing up for his crew. So it, it seemingly appears to be going well. Um, we do get a weird, uh, very quick scene of Dr. Mbenga fishing I, I mean he just looks like he's having a good time no no complaints there but i don't think it led to anything which is nope. kind of him just, him I think it just establishes fishing. that everybody's enjoying things differently in this beautiful uh the biosphere right yeah yeah exactly um so as we had talked about at uh to bring who's actually spock brings nurse chapel along as as a you know the sort of gist of how they're going to explain it's like oh this is my human companion to help in the negotiations with barjan the uh vulcan separatist terrorist kind of dude um barjan immediately throws spock's half-breedness in into pring's face of like that's messed up that you're marrying this guy who's you know or going to marry this guy who's like not even real vulcan and uh just ends up vulcan logic in your face <laughs> as a way to solve the like, choose violence to solve this problem <laughs> just talking about it, I was like, oh i guess guess he doesn't need to turn himself in now <laughs> just tie him up and bring him in lasso him um we do end up with uh dr mbega and nurse chapel having uh spock and to bring in sick bay trying to fix the katras um 
I didn't quite catch the reference as because Dr. Mbenga says, oh, this goo that he's spreading on them. Yeah, some in the sort of mud, it's very close to, the mud consistency is very close to Vulcan skin so that when they stick the little probes in, it makes a good interface. It's kind of like a, like um, uh, the stuff you put on, uh, you know, the, the um, CPU paste you put on the top of a CPU so the heat sink, you know, transfers the heat correctly kind of thing. Yep. Yeah, but he makes some statement that like, oh, this will be standard in the future. And I yeah. said, wait, is that a reference to something? It went over my head as to what he's talking about. Oh, I don't know. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then they do it all the time. was like, no way. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't recognize what it was they were talking about there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, well, she, she says you've been dying to try this since you brought it in. Like, it, like as though he was saying, like. He, he was looking for a use for this stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. He was he was excited by the the goo, the putty. Um, we do end up with uh, Spock, you know, talking again to Nurse Chapel, thanking you know, thank you for the help. And he does end up going over to to Pring and and opens up to her about his fears about not measuring up as a Vulcan because as a as a half Vulcan living on Vulcan, any time that he deviated in any way from what is typical. That was considered evidence of like, oh, because he's not really Vulcan, right? And from T'Pring's side, she opens up to Spock about her fears that, you know, he's only with her as, you know, part of dutiful obligation and not because he necessarily, um, you know, wants to be her partner, right? Just from the beginning of this episode, kind of a big deal around like, hey, you got to show up, you got to put in, you got to put in the work, you got to put down the job work and, and focus and prioritize your part oh jaime so many dirty jokes that spin out of that considering the next scene <laughs> which is why i said in my notes here i wrote down that spock decides that you know it's my duty to please that booty <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> and you know uh, uh, they cut to another scene there as they you know, they <laughs> enjoy their oh, wait are they married already no, is that the no whole they're betrothed yeah okay yeah yeah so that doesn't stop them i guess okay all right yeah, yeah, Vulcans are a little bit more loose when they when they feel like they're it, sharing Katras again, right? Exactly. Yeah, I'd like to circle back to that one after you finish your recap, Jaime. The com- conversation about casual sex amongst Vulcans. So to get the sort of recap, or sorry, the end cap for the what did I call it? The B story, right? The mm. negotiations. Captain Pike says that uh, you know two to the Rungovians and and. Admiral April is like clearly losing it. He's like, oh God, what is he doing? Um, <laughs> he comes straight out to Rangovians and he's like, let me tell you why you shouldn't become our allies. We just finished a war with the Klingons. Romulans are just chilling out. Nobody knows what they're going to do. And given our history, who knows who will be fighting the next time? So you're kind of hitching your wagon to kind of an unstable set of folks. So I'm just being straight up with you. And uh, it ends the negotiations. It doesn't necessarily seem like it went well, but Pike explains to the that to, to April to Robert April is like, hey, I think when we noticed that the Rungovians were rude to the Tellarites, who are known to be rude, they were reasonable with us, which feels very humble brag of like, hey, humans are really reasonable, right? <laughs> uh, that's our that's our stereotype. And the Vulcans are very logical, and they were very logical with the Vulcans, and so seem to figure out that you know what they wanted is for others to see things not from the i want something out of you perspective but from the rungovian perspective so it seems like 
you know, the fact that they're flying the Federation flag, which we established at the beginning of the episode, is evidence that they're, you know, they're cool with your negotiations. They're celebrating there. Ringovians just really wanted somebody to be straight up and not blow, you know, not blow smoke up my butt sort of thing, right? Like, you're just being straight up of the situation. And Pike laid it out. Like, this is why you shouldn't do it. So if you choose to do something with us, that's cool, but you're not going to do it because we're trying to pull the wool over your eyes. Finishing off uh, Una and Lieutenant Singh's little arc, they've apparently finished most of the, or all of the Enterprise bingo, with the exception of signing the Scorch, which they decide to do in kind of the most dangerous possible way of like, don't use, you know, a space suit. Let's just set up a force field and kind of hope it will hold so we can walk on the hull um, over to the area that has the oldest unreplaced piece of the USS Enterprise hull where everybody goes and scribbles their name there. So they do that, they complete the task, and they see the uh, beautiful solar sail ship taking off. So kind of a nice bit there. We do get, um, you know, Spock and T'Pring in bed post, you know, happy time. They're, they're, they're cuddling now and <laughs> <laughs> talking about their time as the other person, walking in the other person's shoes. And the final scene here is actually kind of interesting that they went with uh, Nurse Chapel and Lieutenant Ortega's recapping Chapel's love life. With a little bit of a wink and a nod, like I felt like there was some some chemistry there between the two. Yep, yep. Uh, you know, I guess they've got a, not a perfectly blank slate, but they've got some some area to maneuver here with uh, with Nurse Chapel. So that's where we end. Yeah, yeah I thought mm-hmm. I I have wanted to go back and listen again. I thought she said early in the episode. I thought when she was yeah, there was a relationship with another female. Yeah, I thought she had said that she had yeah. a relationship with a woman. So yeah, I mean, yeah, I, yeah. I would like to think that by the time we get to the 24th century, that that pansexuality is probably more the norm. I don't know, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I you know, but then. She does say later on, she says, you know, I, I need the right guy, which to me felt a little limiting. I really, I thought that line would have been better as I need to find the right person, but maybe that would have been too mm. telling about her and Ortegas. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So I think overall a good episode. It's, it's pretty fun, pretty lighthearted. It's kind of a comical episode considering that they take yeah. a lot of this stuff pretty seriously. That's got a, a comedy bent to it. Yeah. Well, like I said, it's the typical shore leave you know, romp. It's sort of a Star Wars trope to sort of have fun with that. You know, I don't remember what they did in uh, other than the Riza episode with Picard, but I don't remember if they did because Shore Leave is something where they always sort of have fun poking around with, you know, people's, you know, personalized sort of thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and there's that classic, you know, Shore Leave episode with, with Kirk. And what was it, the Finnegan guy that, um, the jokester that he, he went through the academy with? Oh, um, yeah. The Irish dude who was always, you know, teasing him and stuff. And yeah. And then, uh, you know, McCoy with the, with the, uh, gets lanced by a knight in armor yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. To the chest. And Sulu, what does Sulu do? Probably runs around with a sword, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> that seems to be their go to for, uh, for Sulu. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, I think it's this one really worked because. I think we're still early enough in the series. This is episode five, right? I think we're early enough in this series that especially outside of of 
Spock and Kirk. We don't really have a deep relationship with a lot of these characters. I mean, Nurse Chapel was a very supplemental character on the original series, Dr. Mbenga. So getting these ones that that are, you know, they're they're sort of moving the plot along, but they really are giving us a little insight into who these people are as characters. Like I found myself midway through the episode, like looking up the actress, um, Jess Bush, who plays Chapel, because I was thinking, God, she's very charming. And I thought that in previous episodes. But um, yeah, I mean, they're making them all very likable. And, you know, it, it really is enhancing the, the the enjoyment of the series when they spend a little more time getting to know the characters. And it's almost in, in contrast, to, we talked about that with Discovery, right? Discovery really is key focusing on like three characters and is really keeping a lot of the other ones, like they're getting an episode here and there where they kind of get a little time in the focus, but they're not really giving them a lot of getting to know you time. They really are. It's a plot driven series versus a character driven series. Yeah, this one's a bit more traditional in that sense. and. But I mean, like, you know, in case people don't know, you know, Nurse Chapel was really lovelorn with, with Spock throughout the original series, too, right? And he was just being dumb about most of it, right? Yeah. So so there's that, that they're playing off that here. And, and I kind of thought there was a comment that um, um, she made at the end there where she's talking to Ortega about, you know, I kind of got the, she's going to say something about, you know, the fact that, you know... Because when Tapring comes and starts, when Spock, as Tapring is approaching Ortega's and and Chapel, they're like, oh, the other woman sort of <laughs> challenge. Yeah, you know, are you are to you trying to get in my way of my relationship? And yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's where I'm sure that's where Nurse Chapel thought the conversation was going. Right? Yeah, and she does have that sort of um, brother sister kind of relationship with Spock, in, in terms of giving him advice about you know how to deal with. Uh, to bring, even though she's a, you know she's not Vulcan at all, right? So, yeah, yeah. It's, it's interesting, and and it's kind of it's. I thought halfway through the episode, there's like, well, when they got to the Freaky Friday scene, I I went, what are we watching? Oh, by the way, we didn't comment on this. A 14 minute cold open. Yeah, yeah, it's quite the stretch, yeah. eh? Really? Yeah, and because mm-hmm. uh, I think I think he when she gets to the point where she's in his apartment and dissing him about his decor, that's the end of the uh, of the cold open, right? Yep. That whole dream sequence at the beginning, and then and then her showing up. But um, yeah, interesting sort of um, you know tongue firmly planted in cheek episode, right? And mm-hmm. lots of lots of character exposition in this one. Yeah, and it it really it it is a palate cleanser again. Don't forget last week's episode was the one with the Gorn, where it was yeah. you know terror. Disaster. We're going to get yeah. eaten. We're going to a black hole. It was it was much more intense yeah. and dramatic. So I think this was. Especially when you go back and watch these as, you know, streaming in sequence, if you sit down to watch one through ten, I think this will be a lovely palate cleanser for the sort of intensity of last week, you know, uh, what everybody went through. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's a little weird um, that at least on Paramount Plus, you get these, you know, previously on Star Trek Strange New Worlds. I'm like, this is a show that does not need that recap. (laughs) Like, I'm sure yeah, it will be well, occasionally they did, they helpful do that, though. when they move the broader thing. But here I'm like, did you just recap sort of what these characters are about? Like, this, it's not like Discovery where each episode, like, necessarily follows from the previous one. Um, these are these are fairly standalone. So um, you're, you're OK hitting the skip button there. You're yeah. Able to yeah. I, I guess you just have to know why they're at Space Dock, right? And like, that was kind of what they needed to set up was, you know, we're here because we just got our butts kicked by the Gorn in the last and episode. And also and also why Lana is no fun, you know. They, yeah. I mean they they showed the recap here as well. Yeah. On our episode. But um 
Yeah, it was it was odd because I was kind of thinking like, okay, because it, it was an odd mix of of things like like the fact that um, Laana and Una knew each other for before, like when they they were in that prison and they're all got with big foreheads on. Um, yeah, yeah, trying, the first you know, episode, they, yeah, 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 and and like because when I first when they first sort of said like you know. We're in the we're in the prison. These two guys know each other, and, and I'm like, why are they telling us this in the recap? But you know, obviously it makes you know because it becomes a buddy buddy episode for them, right? Yeah, I thought I thought yeah. all three plots worked really well this week. Sometimes you sort of end up with a, a B plot or a C plot where you're like, oh, you know, come on, who cares and whatever. But I, I really enjoyed all the story parts. I thought they they all worked really well yeah. and told really good character arcs for for everybody. And I think the scene with Mbenga in the middle was to show the usefulness of his goofy hat, right? Because <laughs> yeah. he was doing fly fishing and he had the, and he had it really weird. I don't know if you saw the really weird um, sort of alien lure that he was using at the at, at the first. Right? Kind of makes you wonder what he's fishing for, doesn't it? He also it didn't yeah. look like he was fly fishing because he was casting over his shoulder with the I don't know. It, was he? I, mm. I'm not. He did say fly fishing on the in the transporter. He did say fly fishing, but then when yeah. you see him, he's standing on the bank. You don't stand on the bank when you're fly fishing. You stand in the river yeah, with in the water. The water. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. yeah, anyway, I I was a little bit like, did somebody not know what fly fishing was at on on site? <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Well, I guess when you're in the biodome, you only have so many options, right? That's right. Catch what you can catch. Yeah. So I guess we'll move on to Mr. Kenobi. Yes. So, yeah, Obi-Wan, uh, sorry, it's episode three, technically, because uh, we did uh, we did get the two-part uh, uh, drop on, on uh, last Friday for the, the uh, first sort of two-part debut. And, of course, that one ends on a, on a cracker where uh, Obi-Wan finds out for the first time that Anakin did not, in fact, die when he bur- left him bursting into flames and screaming how much he hates him on the... Uh, the banks of the river of fire you know it was a fair assumption it really was that uh he was just like you know i'm not gonna just go over and and snap off his head because he felt like a brother to me but um he thought you know when he lit when he caught on fire next to the river of lava that he was dead but uh yeah by the way on on imdb they're calling these part one part two part three yeah so this would be part three yeah this is part three it doesn't have like an episode name kind of thing yeah uh so having had that revelation where uh, at the end of the last episode, Reva tells him that uh, Anakin is in fact alive and is Darth Vader. Uh, we find him in a very, very flustered state aboard the transport that is taking uh, he and, and Leia to uh, to sort of get away from the, the Inquisitors. Uh, and he's trying to commune with Qui-Gon, which is, of course, what he was. Uh, we, we saw him trying to do that in a previous uh, in, the, in the first couple episodes where he's he's trying to to commune with the dead, which is what what he was supposed to be doing when he's on Tatooine. But clearly doesn't seem to be going well. He doesn't seem like he's, you know, making that connection. And, and of course, he's just he's just thrown by all this. Uh, you know, and then he's of course flashing to the the revelation, and there from there we get the uh, the opening scene from Six Million Dollar Man, where they uh, they they rebuild Steve Austin. It's it's really quite. Uh, so, oh no, wait, they're actually putting mm-hmm. Darth Vader back together again. Yeah, um, yeah, very dramatic uh, scene of them, you know, uh, putting him together like a Lego kit. That's that's quite something. And uh, and of course he comes back out and he starts speaking and you know this was one of the questions I had is is you know uh, James Earl Jones is uh, he's got to be pushing ninety if not in his nineties 
I wasn't sure if he was going to come back and do the voice, but yes, James Earl Jones is back as the voice of Darth Vader, which is amazing. I was really thinking that obviously there have been other people who have done Darth Vader's voice in, in uh, you know, uh, video games and cartoons and stuff like that. And, and, you know, it can be done well now that we've got the technology, but given sort of the the value of doing an Obi-Wan series, it, it really was special to hear James Earl Jones's voice come out of that menacing uh, visage again. Mm-hmm. Um, so can we just talk about the, the poor David Prowse, right? Yeah. He was originally cast as, um, as Darth Vader. He was supposed, he was told he would be able to talk in the, uh, or his voice would be used in, in the thing. So, but, but, you know, so he did play Darth Vader in all three of the original movies, but his voice obviously was not used. In fact, what he was saying while he was wearing the, the costume is not what actually went into the movie because they, they obviously took some editorial license with that, right? Yeah. Especially the I'm your father line. But um, the is is it really necessary that this is a Hayden Christensen in this outfit, really? Because it's not his voice, and, and we, you really don't see him. I mean, like, do you think that's really Hayden, Hayden Christensen under all that makeup? Yeah, yeah. But what end? He's the same height as Ewan McGregor. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with your point that it's probably unnecessary, but um, I guess there's something to be said for the authenticity of carrying that role forward. I guess. But, because uh, again, I'm sure just like David Prowse did, and, and I, I think all three of us have probably seen the clips over the years where you actually hear David's voice coming out of Darth Vader right. in the moment. Yeah. I think in the moment, it, it probably still has a lot of gravitas and it probably is better for uh you mcgregor as an actor to act off of too i mean half of acting is reacting right like so yeah i think probably having hayden's voice knowing that's him in the costume probably well, but, enhances but the same token, though, his like, performance like, they're, like they're, they're, we do see them together because they do actually have a, a sword battle and and clearly the darth vader whoever that's in that suit is has got to be a head taller than than Ian McGregor, right? Yeah, you know. Yeah, well, you know, he's got new robot leg lifts, so true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess you can argue about the value of it. Really, obviously, it's it's this whole thing, this whole thing that they're doing right now across the Star Wars universe on Disney Plus is to a part is about redeeming the original trilogy, right? True. Yeah. You know. So I guess I guess part of that is 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 letting Hayden have a moment where people aren't like you suck. Yeah. You're a robot now. Like, how is it better? <laughs> I guess. Um, so from there we go to uh, him having a, a chat with uh, you know sitting in his desk chair having a conversation over Zoom with uh, with Riva, and he basically says you know I, I know that you want to be the the Grand Inquisitor. If you can bring me Obi Wan, you'll you'll get the job. If you don't, you're going to get the the pointy end of a red lightsaber. And um, from there, we go back to to uh, Obi Wan and Leia, and you know she's she's asking him about you know what is the Force, how does the Force work, you know, and and almost very sort of empathetically understanding that he's kind of shaken. She sort of is is kind of distracting him a little bit, and. Um, she says, you know, what's what's it like? And he, he with the analogy, he says that it's it's like uh, when you're in the dark and somebody turns on the light. That's what it's like to have the force with you, which I thought was a beautiful analogy. I didn't I never heard anyone articulate it like that before. Mm-hmm. Um, 
same scene. He's he's sitting there tinkering with something. You can't really see it. And all of a sudden he reaches out and he hands her Lola, the little robot that she's so fond of, uh, is is back in one piece. Obi-Wan has, has fixed her, her, her little best friend, which is very sweet. Um, and uh, so it turns out that where they're being shuttled off to, where they had been uh, sent through this... Um, through this ship was to Mapuzo, which is a mining planet. And um, yeah, so that they're, they're headed there. Um, I wrote down Anakin vision. I can't remember why I wrote that down. Hmm. Um, so then, yes, the, uh, oh, no, no, it, no, I, um, you, uh, you, I don't, I don't think that, um, Reva says that he's Darth Vader. She just sort of says he's alive. And then, and then, um, Obi-Wan's like thinking about this. So, in this scene here, he's remembering you know, interactions with Anakin. Mm, that's yeah, right. That's yeah, right. Yeah, that's true. That's right. Um, and then from there, we get her uh, heading back to the to the sort of uh, Inquisitor's base, which which of course we've seen in in um, Fallen Order, and. You know, it starts to turn into this like, you know, oh, well, the Grand Inquisitor is quote unquote dead, although they never really address that, which is kind of weird. And um, she shows up. And of course, the fifth brother is there and the fifth brother is like, you know, you don't get to sit in the big chair. I get to sit in the big chair. I'm next in line. And they sort of have a little game of who's the boss. And she's like, well, I was just talking with Lord Vader and here's what Lord Vader told me to do. And it's it's just it's very funny. I mean, that that's the dynamic for for anyone who's watched Rebels. Of course, there there is the Grand Inquisitor and there are the other uh, the, the, the siblings that they show throughout the series. Um, they are very petulant and they are all very much, um, you know, sort of taught to nip at each other's heels and and so yeah that definitely carries across here um the the fifth brother is is very funny i mean he's he's a you know pretty prominent character in the rebels cartoon and um yeah it's interesting to see how how, how he's realized here in, in real life um so they end up landing on the planet uh leia and obi-wan and they're headed towards this this rendezvous point that they're supposed to to go to to sort of find the next sort of chain to sort of get them back to to where they want to be uh which is alderaan and they are there and nobody's there and they're not sure what's going on and then they see a vehicle sort of uh, essentially a, a you know a pickup truck uh, driving across no wheels. the landscape, no, no wheels. wheels, no wheels, of course, no wheels. And, uh, you know, Leia's like, you know, why don't we flag this guy down? And he's like, that's a terrible idea. Why, why, would, we, why would we risk ourselves like that? And she's like, no, it's going to be fine. And so they find themselves, uh, you know, uh, hiding themselves as, as Orden and Luma, a pair of, of farmers. And they meet this uh, shrew-like alien uh, named Freck. And uh, Freck, of course, is is kindly offering them a, a lift, hop in, and uh, you know, a couple miles down the road, he pulls over and picks up a bunch of stormtroopers and says, you know, everybody yeah. pile in the back, and they're like, oh, this is lovely. Um, there's With a, the I mean, Empire that's flag that's in the back, by the way. Yeah. He's flying like he is. Yeah, is that the uh, the the universal equivalent to the to the. Um, uh, the southern flag, the, the yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He was like talking it up right before they pick up the troopers. He's like, man, like the empire's really got it together. I'm kind of like in their tax plan, yeah. you know. Like, <laughs> By the way, that's Zach Braff is the voice of Freck. Yeah, it's funny. I I couldn't pick it in the at the moment. I was like, it sounds a little bit like uh, like yeah. Seth Rogen. I was I was trying to figure out who it was, and then I saw the the credits afterwards. I was like, oh, there you go. Yeah. Um. 
but yeah, it's by the way, the, uh, the, a correction on the vision thing was was he was looking off into the horizon and he imagined seeing a, somebody in a, in a Jedi cloak. And then oh, Leia says right. something yeah, to him, him and he looks distance. back and yeah, 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 he looks yeah. back and he sees that it's not him. So there you go. He's kind of like expecting to see Anakin popping out and you know yeah, and stabbing him in the face. Him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now I remember that scene now that uh, now that you mention it. Uh, so they're in the back of this truck. The bucket heads get in, and uh, and of course they're you know. So where did you say you were from? And uh, and Obi Wan slips up and and calls Leia by her real name and not Luma. And she's like, well, you know what? You know why did you call her that? And he says, well, actually, you know that you it's that was her mom's name, and sometimes I forget. And and you know they they managed to cover it up, but it it is um, a little telling, right? And uh, of course, you know they pull up a little further ahead. The the the, the bucketheads get out, and you know Leia, being the intuitive, you know, force sensitive child that she is, basically says like, "So you know, I get from that interaction that you know that was genuine. You you knew my mom, right?" And uh, he says, "You know, yeah, I, I did I did know your mom." And she says, "Are you my dad?" And he says, "I wish I could say that I was." No, he he's, he doesn't tell her that he knows her. Well, because she just she says you knew my. I know she she says it. He says that, but he deflects. He he kind of deflects. Her. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And then she asks if you're 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 my dad. Yeah, uh, yeah. But I thought it was a very sweet line where he says, "I wish I could say that I was," because he he knows that. Yeah. He never wants her to know the truth, right? Exactly. Um. Yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah, and then of course they go to uh, to this you know traffic stop. The uh, the stormtroopers have got this laser gate set up, and they um, you know they they sort of pull up, and and you know the the one trooper sort of says, you know, well, what have we got back here? And he's like, I thought you might want to check them out. I'm like, you know, of course he, he turns out to be the schmuck that we knew that he would since he's flying the Confederate flag in the back of his truck, and. Um, you know, they're like, well, you know, let's call in this, this, you know, inspection thing. And and of course the probe droid, we see one of the probe droids that, uh, that we had seen, uh, in a previous scene, sort of blasting out, looking for them, uh, comes down and they say, you know, lift up your face and you know, let him scan you. And of course it does. And it scans him, which I don't understand if he was going to like make a break for it at that point, why wouldn't he have just zapped that thing before it scanned his face? Wouldn't that have made much more sense so that they wouldn't. Because as soon as it did the facial recognition, you know, it's going to go back to the server. And, yeah. You know, like why wouldn't he have been like, Oh, this is going to scan my face. I'm just going to stab it before it maybe, does. Maybe Jedi's just aren't good at it. Maybe they just never studied that stuff. <laughs> well, he just fixed I, the, Lola, I mean, come on. I think if I can interject a little bit, so I, uh, I think for this episode, what I got more out of it was like how, and, and I guess this is somewhat established in the first two, but I feel like it was stronger for me personally here, like how messed up Obi Wan is, where he is very paranoid about using the Force because that's how that's how they find you, right? Because weird Force stuff happens, and they they look around to see who's who's doing it. Um, I think that's why he seems to be not using the force as much as he, he should be. He's not using his lightsaber. It, it, it should be a much more familiar weapon. It seems like he does not use that except in an emergency. He's using the blaster. And so I took that as the, well, that's why he doesn't, um, you know, quietly destroy the, you know, the CPU or of the probe droid or something. Cause it's like kind of obvious, like something weird is happening here. Right. Why did this thing just break? Um, that's kind of what I took out of it. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Makes sense. 
But in, in that moment, he realizes that he he has to do something. So of course he he starts a fight, and he basically starts uh, you know picking off uh, stormtroopers and in uh, uh, a pretty unfortunate one, the one stormtrooper falls and gets sliced in half by the gate. Pretty gruesome. And uh, and of course one of them grabs uh, grabs Leia and sort of says, you know. I'll shoot her. I'll shoot her. You stand back. I'll shoot her. And and uh, you know he sort of evades and then shoots the the last one. They uh, say, okay, well, let's get the heck out of here. But of course, it's too late because at that point the Inquisitors know exactly where they are and they are, uh, you know, uh, you know, screwed. But. They come through the other side of the gate. This vehicle pulls up. Three troopers come out along with a an Imperial commander, and they think, okay, well, now we're really well and truly caught. And uh, and then the commander ends up putting uh, laser bolts into the back of the three stormtroopers and says, you know, my name is, you know, Tala. I'm here to rescue you. And uh, she, uh, you know, ushers them away. And uh, and you know, then we cut to the Inquisitors. They're like, yeah, they're on this planet. Let's go. Then we uh, go back to Leia and this Imperial officer and Obi-Wan and, uh, you know, that they know that the plan is, you know, let's go here. Uh, We're going to, you know, we need to get to the pilot who's going to get you guys off planet. We need to sort of hold tight for a couple hours and and sort of, uh, you know, keep things keep things on the down low here. They meet uh, they go to this. uh, droid repair shop. They meet Ned B, who is this giant hulking mm-hmm. loader robot, and and you know Leia is very um, nice to him, and and you know is is you know asking his designation, and and they say, well, you know, he doesn't really speak, and you know he's sort of a basic robot, but she doesn't care. She's she's a little little child, and she's very um, yeah, very sweet to him, and. Uh, so they go into this sort of hidden compartment at the back of this this repair shop, and uh, and, it, and you know it, it's very underground railroad, right? It's the it's the people have signed their names on the wall. These force sensitives and and former Jedi who have sort of come through here on what they call the path, and the path is you know theoretically a path to where you know some of them can be um, you know to a safer place one of the things that they say is uh is that uh, one of the people they say has been there is quinlan voss so quinlan voss i believe he has a cameo in one of the prequels um but quinlan voss for comic book fans is a huge name in the the dark horse expanded universe quinlan voss was like one of the lead characters for one of the star wars series uh this sort of Kind of how they portray Qui-Gon, sort of the rebel within the, the the Jedi Order, kind of does his own thing, has his very own sort of way of doing things. Um, but cool to hear a reference to uh, Quinlan having survived Order 66, because we didn't really know, uh, I think up until now, what had become of him. So knowing that he he is alive in this era is, is kind of exciting, because that means, in theory, he could, uh, you know, he could be part of a future series or something so that's that's kind of neat um so yeah they say that the the you know the plan is to get them to this pilot the pilot's gonna going to take them to jabim and um um yeah they're sort of you know biding their time there and then they start to sort of get this obi-wan gets this sort of weird feeling over him and uh they sort of look out onto the street and of course it's, you know, they see the Inquisitors and they realize that Vader himself has come to the planet looking for 
Obi-Wan and you know it's this this moment of horror right this moment of of just you know understanding this is what Anakin has become he knows it's Anakin he knows that this is you know this this monstrous creature that he's looking at right now is is his former padawan and and you know he's really shaken by this and and you know and in in classic Vader makes a great entrance <laughs> uh you know Canon, he shows up and he starts pulling people through the windows and snapping children's necks and dragging people down the street mm-hmm. without even gesturing at them and just being, uh, you know, death incarnate, right? Yeah, From it was pretty the, brutal there. Oh, I mean, you know, obviously, you know, we'd seen the Rogue One one where he sort of comes in, but those are people who are like, you know, actively shooting at them. These are like, you know, just townspeople. And he's just like, and he's not asking them questions. He's He's not you know, looking for answers. He's just, he's deliberately just provoking, right? He's, he's just being, it's being mean, a monster, being a a, an absolute yep. monster. And, you know, it really, I think is a great moment because it really hammers home for Obi-Wan that this is, you know, not only is this what Anakin has become, but that Anakin has become even more monstrous than he could have imagined. Yeah. It, it, fits in to what I was saying earlier that like you'll definitely get there but Obi-Wan's reaction like and he's like in the cave or tunnel or something right like he's not watching Anakin at first like his reaction seems like it fits in with his mindset that I sort of mentioned from the the beginning of the episode and becomes more obvious when they they meet up here that it is heavily traumatic for him for this stuff and I think that's oh yeah affecting his is you know, abilities. He's not, yeah. he's not fully rational in this episode. Yeah. And I think it's becoming pretty clear as we see him through these first few episodes that he's, he hasn't been practicing his, you know, use of the force. He hasn't been practicing his lightsaber skills. He hasn't obviously been maintaining the kind of physicality and, and, you know, to be fair, as somebody who's about the same age as Ewan McGregor, you know, he's, he's not a young man, you know, he's, he's, you know, he's getting older and he doesn't have the benefit of, of, you know, uh, Anakin's robotics. Like he's, he's just, you know, he's a guy in his fifties. Um, so knowing and seeing what he's seeing, he sort of says to, to Tala, uh, the, 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 uh, you know, path, uh, uh, agent. Okay. You know, this is bad. I'm, I'm going to distract them. You get Leia off planet ASEB, get her to Alderaan. And Tal is like, no, no, no. And Leia's like, no, no, no. And he's like, yeah, no, just go. So they go down this, this tunnel way and they're on their way towards meeting this, this pilot that they're, they're looking for. Um, Obi-Wan is, you know, sort of gonna go and and be a distraction and of course this leads to the the sort of culminating most important scene of this episode where uh you know and and it had to happen of course i'm I'm, although i'm a little surprised it happened in episode three but i guess you know this is the hero's journey right so he comes face to face with vader and you know they have this interaction and uh you know the beautiful lines from both of them you know what have you become i am what you made me um just you know beautiful writing those lines uh, just crackle and uh and they have this you know uh you know vader is hunting obi-wan obi-wan does ignite his lightsaber for the first time in the series and and um 
you know, interesting scene where, you know, it's it's really dark where they are and only the light of their lightsabers is kind of lighting their way. And it's almost one of those things where, you, you, you know, you've got a flashlight, but it's not necessarily helping. You know, it's like it's like holding a torch, right? Mm-hmm. It's kind of in your face. It's It's kind of lighting the way, but it's also kind of distracting you. They did a really good job, I thought filming that of of making it very disorienting for obi-wan and um and yeah i mean it it, it, it you know it's pretty good um meanwhile back on the, in the little village reva sort of following a hunch goes into the uh into the the droid uh repair station and finds the path and finds the sort of tunnel and you know sort of grumble 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 and um yeah, they they uh, are are gonna you know she she's clearly sort of showing that she's the smartest of the inquisitors. She's she's you know she's really digging into it. Um, we go down the tunnel and uh, you know you can hear the sort of you know bad situation and and Tala and Leia are sort of you know trying to figure out what to do and Tala says you know come on, we got to go. And Leia says, no, 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 go, you go save Obi-Wan, you go help him. And I'll, I'll, uh, you know, I'll go this way. She says, okay, you run until you find the pilot. Fine. Tala goes back and it's a good thing she does because then we get this, this duel between uh, Obi-Wan and, and Vader and to call it a duel is a little unfair. It's basically just Vader beating yeah. the living crap out of Obi-Wan Kenobi. Drag, dragging him through the fire. Yeah, exactly. he, at one point he sort of takes this ore, these, this, this ore that they're mining from the planet and he throws it on the ground and he lights it on fire with his, his lightsaber and drags Obi-Wan through it so that he burns because he wants him to, to understand Suffer, yeah. the pain that he went through. I mean, it's a really poignant and awful scene. Um, very quite dark, really. Like, I mean, not that the scene where Obi-Wan uh, watches Anakin catch on fire is much better, but it's pretty dark. And, um, you know, it's in that moment that uh, that Tala um, and, and Ned come to the rescue and, and they do actually manage to, uh, you know... Uh, save obi-wan um you know they they pull him out of danger and and they end up igniting a lot of the ore so that uh that vader won't even vader won't walk through that pile we've established thanks to the end of return of the jedi that that armor is tough but it will burn so um mm. you know in that moment he's like damn it he got away but he he knows now like he knows obi-wan's there he knows that he's more powerful than him and uh you know so he he sort of you know strategically retreats and they take obi-wan and they take off and then we see leia come to the uh, end of the tunnel and she's supposed to be meeting the pilot she comes out and says you know are you the person i'm supposed to be meeting and reva says you know yeah yeah i'm the person you're supposed to be meeting and and the pilot is lying dead on the floor yeah so i i, I had a bit of trouble with that particular part because you know tala and leia are going down the tunnel yeah right and then does reva find the reva finds the original place where they where they had ned be and and where they get into the tunnel yep. right from the from the way place right yep. so she theoretically starts walking down that hallway right and so tala's running back towards She's running back to help Obi-Wan, right? Yeah, there must be another way out. Like, that's that's the only thing, because I had the same thought. I'm like, well, wouldn't she have run face-to-face with, with Reva? But also, Reva, we established, she doesn't follow that tunnel. She circles back around, right? Oh. Because she's at the end of the tunnel when Leia comes out. How she figures out where it's going to come out, I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah. But she does. Well, it's a good plot point, but yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... Um, yeah, interesting. Um, you know, Ben, very dramatic, very, um, yeah. uh, 
Yeah, very sort of epic. This this is definitely feeling a very different than the other Disney Plus series. It's very very cinematic, right? Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and it's interesting how Obi-Wan's, you know, match with with Darth clearly outmatched as you said, right? Um it's interesting how much um gravitas that Obi-Wan has lost in the last 10 years, right? Mm-hmm. Cuz cuz he's lost a lot of like he was very confident in 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 Clone Wars. He was very confident in in all of the movies, you know, even as a solo guy going investigating, you know, um the the clone army generation and all that stuff and his fights with um Count Dooku and all those kind of guys, right? Yep. Um but yeah, I mean he he's sort of he's lost his edge, right, as it were, right? Um and but I can't but then again, I don't ever remember being dragged through the fire. But you know, um that that kind of like it was interesting. I don't ever remember seeing any mind you never really see Obi Wan, you know, without clothes on, at least Alex Guinness, so you can't see that he's been burned by Vader in the past. And and is this the you know when Vader says, I've not sensed that, that person since and he turns and walks out of the screen out of the room when when he when um uh Han Solo and, and Luke and um Obi Wan first land on the Death Star mm. in the first movie and he kinda just sort of says, I've not sensed that presence since and then he walks away, right? I wonder if I wonder if this is the sense. Well it has to be <laughs> or right. Is there another sense? I think but, we we are supposed to think it was from, you know, long since past but yeah, yeah now that they've sort of bridged this gap yeah i mean it's only been 10 years yeah 10 years are not that long really yeah no no all things being equal but yeah you know i think i met timey i no, i did meet timey 10 years ago <laughs> I, I feel like it still works okay there the one that's a little harder for me um is the uh when i left you i was but the learner now i am the master yeah, yeah now i'm, I'm like, the master he exactly. was whooping up on him like y- you guys talked about the uh uh, just like destroying him and um, dragging him through to 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 cause him to suffer. Like he was using the one-handed saber technique that he uses against Luke as kind of a like showing off sort of thing, right? Yeah. It's not the two-handed uh, fight with Obi Wan or or the later two-handed fight with um, you know Jedi Luke that um, that it feels like there's a difference in Invader's style, right? Depending who he's he's fighting against. Like, like, you're true. One of us yeah. going up against Mike Tyson is like, all right, like, like in prime Mike Tyson's like, all right, you know, he's not going to kill us. He's going to, you know, fight us with his just his jab or something because he can still beat us up with that. But if he's going up against Evander Holyfield, like, all right, now he's he's written to to bite some some ears, right? Yeah, I mean, there must be some limit to his visibility and his and his ability to move because he's not like he hasn't got the flexibility of Darth Maul. Because remember that fight between Obi Wan and Darth Maul was quite quite animated right and i mean ewan mcgregor had all those sort of moves where he could like whip his lightsaber rope behind his back and and defend himself right he wasn't doing that and then also vader's also got the power to force push because he pushes obi-wan around a few times right and drags him through the flames right without making contact so yeah his style is more uh, using the force for you know pushing or telekinesis type activities and his yeah. fighting style as Vader is much more of like swinging an axe, right? Like I am going to bludgeon yeah. you with this thing. Yeah, yeah, and and you know you would I would expect you know if in, in all of the stories we've ever seen about any of the Jedi's preparing for battle, like you know there there should be a scene coming up where Ewan McGregor goes off and does you know practices with that little robot thing that fires him with the blast shield down. You know, like like he's got to go and practice his moves right now that. 
Because he, he, he looks at the lightsaber in the, in the second part and doesn't turn it on when, he, when he's running away from Riva, right? And he's just he's avoiding her because he doesn't want to expose Leia at that point. But here um, in this fight, he he you know he looks at his his lightsaber and, and turns it on when when he goes. To, he, I think he's trying to distract Vader. Really, at the end of the day, he's not really. He's trying to draw attention away from Leia, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, when Agreed. when Vader shows up, it's like there's no hiding that I'm the Jedi you all have been looking for. So using yeah. using the Force, using the lightsaber is more of a plausible option and clearly using uh, a blaster against Vader is a bad idea. Um, well, and, and also if Vader, if Vader is that all powerful and he seems like he is, he wouldn't, he would be able to sense, like somebody pointed a, a comic here on IMDb that this is the first, the closest that Leia and uh, Anakin have been to each other since she was born. Mm-hmm, right. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, of course they, they have those toe to toe discussions on the death star. Right. But um, and, and it's funny that, you know, like, again, the prequel problem, how come Vader doesn't know that she's his daughter? You know? Well, I don't think she, he has any cause to care at this point. He's singularly yeah. focused on Obi-Wan. He's not thinking big picture. Who is this child? Right. Why is Obi-Wan protecting no, him? No, I, I don't mean that. I mean, like, I'm talking, I'm talking about the part where she's interrogate, he's interrogating her in the brig and, 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 oh, and she, yeah, I, I think that one is a retcon issue from. 30, 40 years ago, is that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, when you make the decision, and I'm not sure that it was in the moment, I don't think Princess Leia, when the original movie came out, I don't think that was necessarily in Lucas's mind that this is his daughter. No. Yeah, um, definitely not. Yeah, I mean, it would have been nice in retrospect to have a moment where he's like, you feel weird or, you know, something, but yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah, the problem yeah. is, is that you look familiar to me when you make those right contexts. Well, and then also again, she's, you know, like Padme in our world, Padme is modeled after Leia, not vice versa, but in his world, right, right. he would be able to look at her and be like, Oh, she reminds me so much of my ex, you know, she looks my, like my, cousin, my dead exactly, wife, yeah. you know, right. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah, exactly. She's, and, and guys, I mean, it takes uh, Obi Wan like six seconds to be like, "Oh my God, you're so much like your mother." Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you'd think that with True. that that same kind of commanding presence and in sort of you know intuitive nature that that even Vader in her presence would be like, "Oh my God, you're clearly Padme's daughter." Yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, yeah. Good, good episode again. I'm, I wasn't sure if they were going to make us wait, you know, ep- like they were going to have a lot of near misses and then have it sort of culminate with the two of them meeting. But to have them have hmm. this conflict where it's so one sided again on the on the sort of stereotypical hero hero's journey, you know, it's the it's the mm-hmm. setback that sets you back on the path to redemption or whatever. It it m- makes sense for the two of them to come face to face for Obi Wan to have gotten this sort of kick in the pants and then hopefully it's it's, it's the spur that gets him back to, uh, you know, back to form, back exactly. to form so that he understands more, you know, cause again, he's, he's just a sad sack. When we see him in the first couple episodes in, in, on Tatooine, mm-hmm. he's, you know, living this humble life, but it's, it's beyond the humble life. He is defeated. He is, he is yeah. lost. And so that's why he's not connecting to Qui-Gon. That's why he's not connecting to the force is because he's, he, you know, there has to be intent, right? There has to be, you know, so for, for me, what I'll say is I liked this episode a lot more than I did the first two. And I, I didn't dislike the first two. I think last week I said that like, hey, it was nice. This one, I really bought into the idea of this series in this episode. So um, yeah. it's definitely, definitely a plus for me. 
Yeah, it's crazy to think that after, I mean, we've had three episodes that have come out in five days, and that's halfway through the series, and then the series will be over in three weeks. It's, it's, I mean, it's kind of, it kind of works, because as I say, it, it really has a cinematic feel. This really feels more grand in scale, perhaps, than, than even The Mandalorian and the other ones. And those are, those are amazing. I mean, again, I'm a Mandalorian fan. I'm a, I'm a, a fan of Book of Boba Fett. I'm a fan of, of sort of all the stuff that they've done so far. But this just feels very, and, and maybe just because of who the protagonist and antagonist are, it just, it feels bigger somehow. Yeah, mm-hmm. we'll have to see where it goes in the next two episodes or whatever. Yeah, three. Yeah, three episodes, oh. as I say. it's No, I know. I know, three to Almost, go. Uh, yeah, it's... We're at the halfway point. Yeah, it's crazy to think we're already there, but uh, but again, three three episodes seem to work well together. I'll be curious where they continue to go with this. So it's interesting. I read a couple of things today about the fact that this is more about Leia than than it's going to be about Luke, right? Because um, I think A New Hope is more about Luke, mm-hmm. right? Um, so this is kind of a Leia exposition. I wonder, like, are we going to? Because she's not home yet. He hasn't solved her getting her back to Bail Organa mm-hmm. yet, right? Um, and it, you know, again, it, it doesn't fit with the years ago you served my father in the, you know, like as if you don't know. You yeah, don't that's know another, again, prequel yeah. problems, right? Red coin, yeah, exactly. Um, unless she has to be formal and pretend she doesn't know him, kind of thing. Or she gets a blow to the uh, head at some point in the next couple episodes. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Right. Or she's just ditzy or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. or, or she does a lot of cocaine in the 1980s, just saying. Yeah. Are we going to talk about the Orville or are we going to just sort of go off? I was going to ask, did you guys watch the Orville? I did. I I, <laughs> I fell asleep <laughs> watching it. Did you? I don't know what that well, says about like, me. I don't blame you. <laughs> I, I watched, uh, I, I got through about the first half and then I started When did you watch it? Feeling, was it? When did you watch it? Right before we aired. Last That's night? why I was a couple minutes late. I fell asleep watching it. Oh. <laughs> I mean, I, I have, it's been a busy couple days for me, so I, I don't want to blame it entirely on the, on the episode, but I was, I yeah. watched, uh, I watched Star Trek and then I was, yeah, sitting downstairs and I thought, oh, I'll throw the Orville on. And I watched the, the first bit and then it was kind of mm-hmm. dragging and I was just like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and yeah, I, I, I dozed off. I, I woke up and watched the end of it, but it's just, uh, yeah, I, I, like I did the Tim at the movies deal. I just sort of dozed off for a part of well, the I mean, of it. I think we, like we can save it for next no, week, no, but I please mean, don't. But, I'm going to watch it when when we're done here. So, well, I mean, so for me, the it, this episode did nothing for me. Like this, like it's. I still my opinion of my opinion of the Orville is it's still trying too hard to be the next generation. I mean, yeah, they they have a huge budget now for for CG effects. They spent the last three years working on CG. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, like I'm, you know, it's a sensitive subject that they cover today. You know, from a from a humanistic point of view, but it was just like. Really, <laughs> you know, um, I thought, you know, they were going to, you know, find a way to get this character off the show. Because, I mean, there's, if you if you followed Orville from, you, like, I asked this question last last week, what are they going to do with Isaac, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's, the, we, they answer that today, sort of, you know. Um, and it's kind of like, they have human reactions. But, yeah, I just, I can't take Seth, Seth I want to say Seth Rogen. I can't say Seth MacFarlane seriously as the leader of this ship, mm. you know, he doesn't have, he's not a Kirk. He's not an Anson Mount. He's not a, he's not even a Jonathan Archer for that matter. You know, like, like he just doesn't have it. Yeah. I don't, I don't get it. And Kelly, I like, I, I kind of get sort of her, her demeanor. Um, but yeah, this, the, I don't know. Just, just Isaac is like, he's so not emotional. 
Well, it, it almost seems like a bridge too far. I mean, Data as the sort of yeah. robot, and of course the comparisons between who Isaac wants to be human and Spock's the 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 human who wants to be Vulcan. That's it. You know? So yeah. I mean, obviously they're following an archetype there, which is established. Yeah. But having him be non-emotive in the face is a, a yeah. real tough go. It's a real tough yeah. go. Did you did you see the gas giant solution here, or did you fall asleep before that happened? No, I think I must have dozed off or that. Okay, I'm not gonna let's 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 talk about it next week because yeah, you're, you're gonna you're gonna laugh when you see that scene. All right. It was really weird timing uh, for this episode for like a bunch of reasons, and it's been delayed because of COVID. It got delayed an extra three months. I think it was supposed to premiere in March, and um, for me. Oh, so so they could have shared. They should have. They could have stolen the scripts and and shared scripts between this and another science fiction show, which we'll talk about <laughs> later. <laughs> you know, it's it's one of those weird things that happens in Hollywood of like, hey, there's two volcano yeah. movies out at the same time. Hey, there's two you know insect bug related movies out at the same time. Uh, not going to say that didn't happen because uh, it clearly does in Hollywood. But I think for- it's got to be the craft services people. I'm telling you, <laughs> they, they, they talk too much. Yeah. I I think for me. Uh, and it is a little weird. Uh, you guys are getting on Disney Plus. I don't know what that looks like. Yep. Uh, for us, it's on Hulu. It's a little non-obvious because um, this is season three, but it has a new name. So in the Hulu mm-hmm. UI, you'll see season one, season two, and then uh, New Horizons. And you're like, what the heck is that? It's like, ah, that's your third season there. So kind of a weird thing there. But um, the the things about the Orville are still the same. So if you like the first two seasons i think you'll like uh, this first episode that we watched um for the third season if you didn't like it i don't think you're gonna like it because it's the same kind of thing and this week's episode was sort of the take on what if uh commander cisco and post locutus john luke picard actually had to work together constantly <laughs> on the same ship and not just you know they had a very grumpy meeting once on deep space nine Yes, yeah. it's sort of what this episode is set up. And I will say that the way the episode resolved um, mm-hmm. Isaac's story didn't resolve the way I thought it was going to. That, that, yeah, me too. Was like, yeah. I was like, oh, here's the head fake. I, I think I figured out how they're going to do it. And they didn't do it that way. They do it in a completely, completely different way. Um, that that kind of surprised me. And, and I'm kind of hoping that the uh, uh, post-nut clarity thing becomes like a meme for these characters because that that seems to be kind of their their way of running things but you know what i mean about like the cgi like the cgi is amazing it's it's great i mean like if you're if that's what you think good good sci-fi you know trek or whatever is i mean again like uh, a friend of mine commented or john milker commented on on facebook the other day it's like don't they have dirt in the future yeah. you know like you know like anyway it's very very similar like you know the the CGI is amazing. They've gone to great detail on the ship. I mean, the ship doesn't even look like the same ship. It's so, it's so like, um, you know, the, the, the Enterprise after Khan, you know how they went back and they redid it, yeah, you they know, redid kind it. of thing? Yeah. Redid the model. It's like that. All of a sudden, the Orville has got, like, you know, it's it's amazing. And it, again, there were way too many ships in this in this episode, right? Yeah. Um, mind you, some of them are dream sequences, right? But, you know, and, and the sort of Starbase look and... Yeah, it just and, and then so you have that, and then you have these stark interior scenes where there's like nothing going on. Like they have they spend all this time and attention on detail on the outside of the ship, and then inside the ship, it's like a boring boardroom. You know, yeah. it's cozy, and I'm a little surprised that you guys are uh, so taken aback by Isaac. I'm like, 
that is Doctor Who with more budget. <laughs> like <laughs> like historical Doctor Who, not not you know. Uh, Doctor Who is the lowest. Doctor Who yeah. is the lowest of. I mean, it's it's like it's cable access sci-fi, yeah. like practically. Oh, some of the know, stuff from like, the seventies and eighties was tragic. Tragically it's just bad. Like, it was just video effects. Like the guy went, turned the knob. Oh, here comes the bad scene. They turned the knob on the video effects panel. And <laughs> yeah, you know, like I've seen, you know, more mo- as a newbie to, to Dr. Who I've seen more modern, um, uh, Jody Whittaker, Cyberman stuff, but I'm like what the Cybermen look like whenever they came out in like sixties, seventies or whatever. I'm like, Oh, they almost certainly look like Isaac, right? Like the, yeah. that style seems like it makes sense. Yeah, the most the most menacing thing was was basically the the Dalek back in the '60s, and it was literally like a, a, a inverted trash can with a plunger sticking out of the. Front it was of it, that right, right mm-hmm. into the '80s. I remember one of my British friends yeah. being like, "Oh my god, I can't believe you didn't watch Doctor Who. You should watch Doctor Who." I'm like, "Are you kidding me? <laughs> like, I've seen Star Wars, you know? Like, this is come on, yeah. this is awful." But by the same token, though, it was it was it, like like Jaime sort of said, it was it was the drought between the original series and and. PNG. That's kind of where that end fit in, you know. I mean, even Battlestar Galactica was, you know, amazing, amazeballs, you know. Mm-hmm. And Planet of the Apes and all kind of, they kind of filled in a lot of the gaps. And then, I mean, there was a Planet of the Apes TV show. Mm-hmm. There was the original Battlestar Galactica TV show. You know, um, I think I think part of the allure of Doctor Who was the fact that you couldn't really, it, you really had to be lucky to see it because it was on PBS. Mm-hmm. It had a really odd schedule when it was going to be on. You know, it was tough to sort of catch it. And, you know, back then we were busy going to Tashi Station to get our power converters, you know? (laughs) Yeah, about right. We didn't have time to watch TV on Saturday afternoons. Anyway, let's move to our watch list. And uh, Jaime, you can go first with the man from Tirana. Yeah, the man from Tirana, or as you would say in the States, the man from Toronto. Uh, starring yes, more <laughs> starring Ooh. Kevin Hart. We we translate for for this uh, bilingual audience uh, we have. <laughs> um, so this stars Kevin Hart and Woody Hel- uh, Woody Harrelson. It's coming out on Netflix on June twenty fourth, and this is I think the the kind of movie where look, it's not going to win awards. It's it's going to be uh, a nice you know summer popcorn flick. It's got Woody Harrelson and Kevin Hart. I'm like I kind of know what I'm getting in for. Basic plot premise appears to be that there is a um, you know a man from Toronto who's a um, like assassin, but really more of like a torture kind of specialist, and he's supposed to be here helping some the villains uh, torture a person. And he's an inquisitor, right? Yeah, and uh, Kevin Hart for reasons that are a little unclear from the trailer, could be a couple different reasons, ends up being mistaken for the man from Toronto and then has to live as the man from Toronto across the rest of this movie to keep up the, the illusion here. Uh, looks like fun in the, uh, if you liked Red Notice and, um, with The Rock and mm-hmm. Gal Gadot and, and um, uh, oh my God, I see his face. I can't say his name. Ryan Reynolds. Um, Ryan Reynolds, thank you. And on his um, own. Yeah, it, it, I feel, I mean, this will be a little bit less epic, I think, than that one that was was, was swinging a little bit uh, for the fences. This one is more like, oh, this is, this is a nice film for the summer. You know, you know, get your popcorn ready, get your soda ready, and, and you don't even have to pay anything. You just have to turn on your, your, your TV. Looks funny. Definitely, definitely an airplane movie for sure. But um, yeah, it looks pretty funny. Like, yeah. By the way, do you guys... You know, you, you know the Shark Tank show that uh, is on the states, right? The investor show. Mm-hmm. 
where you have your elevator pitch. Well, that's you know started out as Dragons Den on on CBC, and Kevin Le- Kevin Leary is the um, O'Leary, I think O'Leary, it is. O'Leary, yeah. Mm-hmm. He, mm-hmm. Yeah, he took it to the states and turned it into. Anyway, Kevin Hart is one of the investors on on the American version now, which I, I just. I flipped by the channel the other day. I'm like, is that Kevin Hart? They have different out it is. Uh, guest ones. Um, um, uh, Ashton Kutcher was on the show. Um, oh, okay. And there was some, it's like a software guy who, who, I don't think it was Larry Ellison. There was somebody that, like, they they have the main sort of set of folks and then occasionally have these these guest sharks. Well, Kevin Leary was Rita Rabbit. That was his, how he made his millions. And then isn't Mark Cu- Mark Cuban some sort of software guy? Yeah, uh, who owns? That's how he made his money from from software in like the '90s, I think, and owns yeah. the the Dallas Mavericks NBA team. Yeah, and, and the, one of the Canadian guys, I think he went to the American show initially. Is it was was a, one of those um, not Match dot com, but like another site like that. Uh, that's how he he got his fame and fortune, right? So, yeah, it's interesting. I, I very rarely watch the show because I mean it's it's um, it's harder to watch. It's, the Canadian version is a little bit more down to earth. Maybe it's because they talk about maple syrup and <laughs> Boston pizza and stuff. But you know, yeah. So what's your pitch? It's like, all right, so much. we've been selling these Latouks. How many did you sell? Well, we say we've, we've had gross sales of one point five million to date. Well, what was it in the last year? Well, it was five hundred thousand to you know five hundred thousand tunies this this past quarter. <laughs> but whatever, in Canada, it's like ten thousand was our last sales, and we want half a million. <laughs> we want you to invest half a million. In- <laughs> Yeah, it's not like not like the state state scale at all for sure. Anyway, so let's move over to Jonathan's uh, picks. Yeah, I, I I went with the obvious stuff that uh, again we were talking about, which is what a bonanza June is. Uh, you know, we've already gotten Obi Wan and and uh, and now the Orville's back. And uh, next, uh, the boys is tomorrow, so we get the first three episodes all drop at once of the of the the next season, season three of the boys is uh, on Amazon Prime. So uh, yeah, I can't wait to get back into that. I thought that was such an amazing season two. I can't wait to see uh, what they do to keep that momentum up for season three. And then yeah, next week we get Ms. Marvel, the new um, the new Marvel Disney Plus series, um, which again, coming off of like something as intense as Multiverse of Madness, and coming off of um, you know uh, sort of this sort of dark stretch with Obi Wan, it'll be nice. It seems like a bit of a palate cleanse. It's it's a, you know following a teenage girl. It's a little lighter, um, uh, so I think that'll be good to throw into the mix too especially on the same week that you're watching the boys i think it'll be good to uh to have something that's maybe just a little bit lighter fare but uh yeah looked, um, i'm excited for both of those series i think they both look really good and uh it's nice that, that those series will sort of carry into july so you'll have a little bit of uh of fun stuff to cover into the summer cool yeah good are you, are, you, are you how far into stranger things are you or are you still strapped strapped to your um, your partner there uh no i did uh independently go and watch i watched the first episode the other Ooh. night um we're still working our way through just to the i think we're the second last episode of season one of ozark as a couple so uh we're, we're working our way through that one and she's sort of in agreement that when we have time together that's what we want to watch so that's that's good but i did watch the first episode um, but that's also on my uh, to sort of catch up with it again. It's it's nice in its own way that the episodes are sort of there. But it's, again, we talked about the sort of the distribution model of, you know, week to week versus, you know, dropping all at once. It, it really is kind of a momentum kill for the and, and it really does create a lot of sort of inequities. You know, if you if you don't have the time, those episodes are all just sort of sitting there. I, I really am more a fan of the week to week just because, 
it, it paces things out. Like, I feel like I'm behind on Stranger Things after like three or four years of not seeing it, which is ridiculous, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I feel the same way. I, 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 I kind of struggle. I mean, I really enjoyed season one of, of Stranger Things, and I kind of, I kind of trying to remember the other three seasons to sort of get ready for this one, yeah, as well. Yeah, have you, have you watched the, have you been watching it? I haven't watched any. I've been catching up on other things, which I'm going to talk about in a few there minutes. You go. Um, yeah, for sure. And then I, so I started watching a couple of other shows that are, that are, um, that are odd. I've watched like one episode of, of a couple of things that I want to sort of get into. I think, I think your next one that you and Sherry are going to watch together is called the time traveler's wife, which is what one of the, one of my picks for today. Um, a really interesting story. It's, it's, you know, it borders on it's, it's sci-fi, but it's, but it's a love story sort of thing. Yeah, right. It's, it's and, a famous book, right? Yeah, and it bore. Yeah, definitely, it borrows from. I mean, I kind of wonder if the Matt Smith, Amy Pond storyline, where he meets her as a young girl, I kind of want to go back and figure out which came first, because that's sort of the, the one of the points about this is that um, it's about a man who, um, as a young boy, starts traveling through time. Mm-hmm. Um, he never knows where when he's going to bounce, and he just bounces from you know forward, backward, constantly, um, and. It, basically disappears his clothes stay where he was so he appears he arrives nude wherever he ends up and and then he has to you know steal and borrow and you know kind of like get money and get food and get clothing and run away from people because he'll appear in the middle of like a scene and a man with hunting with his dog and he'll start shooting at him kind of thing and he ends up having to you know fight with people to get get clothes and stuff like that so it, it's kind of an, and he never knows when he's going to bounce. Um, like it, he just, like I said, he goes back and forth, and he and he meets himself. It sounds and, like quantum leap to of, me, man. I don't know. It it is very much so, but but it's kind of like he he actually ha- like he when he's a young young kid, he meets he's trained on how to be a time traveler by an older person, who of course is him, mm. right? So he does there, and there's a couple of times where he goes back to important parts of important events in his life. He keeps getting pulled back to at various stages of his life. And it's interesting when when he bounces in. It says um, the character's name is uh, Henry. It'll say Henry is 36, and the love interest Claire is nine, or Claire is 16, or Claire is 20. You know, like because it's the the interesting about it, it, it. You sort of get focused on 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 his dilemma in terms of how he bounces around. But it's as she points out in in the middle of episode number two, this is a story about the time traveler's wife, not the time traveler, right? So it you know he meets this girl as a young girl, as a young kid, and and you know eventually like she at one point says to him when she's around you know I think she's around ten or twelve, she says, "Do you have a wife?" And he says, "Yeah, I do." And he goes, "What's her name?" Well, as a matter of fact, her name is Claire as well, you know. And then the kid later on in in a later episode kind of. Um, like he meets her 152 times. We we find out why uh, as a, as um, uh, before she actually meets before they actually she meets him as a as a as an adult woman kind of thing, right? Um, so yeah, and he comes in at different ages. Like right? so like she her relationship with him is is at different ages, and his relationship with her is as she grows older kind of thing, right? Um, and it's an interesting thing, and and it's it's dropping one episode per week, so I'm only into the third episode, and I have to wait, you know, for it the next one to come out. But it's definitely definitely a really interesting, you know, timey wimey story. But it's it's got that love love angle to it. So there's a relationship, the difficulties of relationships, but told in you know 
over time kind of thing and 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 the story doesn't story's not told uh in any kind of linear fashion either right so it's kind of a fun fun sort of you know twisty sort of story but you know it's got all the you know i'm a sucker for timey-wimey stuff anyway <laughs> right so yeah it's it's definitely it's not like doctor who which goes from one episode to another it's kind of it's the same thing but you know just sort of comp- the complications of bouncing around in time right yeah Anyway. I remember when the so, the book came out. I was actually working in mm-hmm. books at the time, it was the early two thousands, and um, yeah, and Audrey Niffenegger's book came out, and it was a huge hit, and it, it did really well. And then they did a film version of this as well, and it was in the film version that there was a little bit of a discussion about this. But I know that since this series has come out, there's been a little more discussion about it. Is is uh, there is a bit of a perception on this that you could perceive what he's doing throughout this time as grooming. Yes, totally. Yeah. Well, he does. He does address that at, actually in a couple of scenes where you know he's like he he talks about some of the questions she asks him as a young precocious girl, and he kind of goes, "I couldn't go there at that at that point in time, right?" Sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah weird. Well, you sort of you sort of do get you do meet him at points when like when she meets him at, when she's like twenty four, twenty two, or something like that. He hasn't met her yet. Yeah. Right. So there's there's kind of that, you know. But yeah. But he's he's like 35 when he first meets her, kind of thing. Yeah. You're mm-hmm. you're totally right. It, it it does have that sort of weird. And he he does talk about the fact that you know this is a weird sort of situation to be in, right? Because her parents don't know about it, and he doesn't meet her family until quite later, quite a bit later, right? Sort of thing. Yeah. So it's so there is a sort of I, I kind of I'd be interested to see how the book sort of lays it out because the film or this TV show kind of um plays with the timeline as well and then you find like there's some really interesting um expositions like you know like he says i'll tell you like she says why are you sad he'll say i'll, I'll tell you later i mean you, we find out why he's sad repeatedly um but uh but you know he he says you know and he says something funny like i'll, I'll tell you when a, a man with a green hand serves you a, a, a latte you know at near near a, an ocean in view or whatever right and yeah, so I'm not. That's all I'll say about that. But there, but when he does get to the point when it becomes the day, as she calls it, when he tells her why he said, you know, she actually gets served a, a latte by a man with a green hand. Mm. You know, so and and yet he, you know, yeah, it, it's it's interesting. Like I'm not going to go into too much because it'll be a bit spoilery. But it's really, it would be really hard to spoil this whole show. I probably, you know, like other than what I've told you so far, right? Mm. That's really good. And uh, the other the other movie I want to talk about, and I'm sorry, John, but it's it's Top Gun. Ooh. Uh, Maverick. Um, I highly recommend that you go see this on IMAX. I, I couldn't get a ticket to IMAX. I went to see it in Ultra AVX. And uh, what's interesting about the theater I went to was I always like to sit in sort of near the back in, in these kind of big things. But like, it's funny you know how they have these D box seats. This theater I went to, the D box seats are right down at front. Weird. So yeah, so so I think the best seats in this house were would have been in the middle area, right? But again, again because of COVID, I wanted to find a place where I could sit that I was comfortable and not, you know, near too many people, which is for me is the back row. Cause then I don't know, I don't want anybody weird behind me doing odd things. Right. Um, but yeah, it was, it was still, it, it still had that sort of, it's really amazing. It's a really good experience. Tom Cruise does come on at the very beginning, Jonathan, to tell you that he's really happy that you came and saw it on the big screen and that, you know, you're ready for this experience. It is definitely a Pacific Rim, get your big bucket of popcorn, get your, you know, get your girlfriend, because there is there is that love interest stuff. 
some questions I have about it, like, uh, okay, I know COVID's over, so but we're not wearing life jackets when we're sailing across a, a rough sea with a, on a boat to stand. Um, there's a scene where Jennifer Connelly's steering a, a, a tailboat, and this, it sees it pretty rough, and neither one of them is wearing a, a life jacket, which I thought was, yeah, okay, that's good. That's good for the kids. Um, but what I want to talk about, too, like, yeah, so the, the, the plane effects are amazing. Um, there's a couple of times where Han Solo comes in, you know, as Luke's trying to um, hit the hit the spot with the bomb kind of thing, like like uh, to blow up the Death Star, right? Just like, you know, shooting Womp Rats in my T-36 back home, right, in Beggar's Canyon. There totally is Beggar's Canyon, there totally is all that kind of stuff. Like, you know, nothing original about that. Um, and there are times when, like, uh-oh, you know, completely the guns are drawn you're just about to get clobbered and han solo comes in and blasts the, you know the the anti or the protagonist away right so antagonist antagonist away um so yeah there and and you know it's got some indiana jones kind of hints to it and uh but it it is it is uh really enjoyable from a you know big bucket of popcorn point of view what i really liked about it though was the way they worked val kilmer into the story right because I wasn't aware that he was going to be in the movie. I don't think we, I don't know if we talked about that at all. Um, Cause what's he going to do? Right. Um, so in, in this, one of the main plot points about this is Maverick is this, this guy who's never really advanced much in, you know, after, after he became a top gun, never advances much in like, he's still a captain. Right. And most of the people, like they say to him at some point, you should be like a two-star admiral by this time at your age. Cause he's 50 something. Right. Um, and yet he's not, and he keeps getting into trouble and get, keeps getting, you know, kicked out or, you know, thrown out of his unit or whatever. And Iceman has been, co- has been covering his butt because Iceman is now like a four-star general or four-star admiral or whatever. Right. And so he keeps it. So they start out by introducing Val Kilmer's character through text message. Right. So he's texting Tom Cruise's character. Um, because at the very beginning he, you know, he gets thrown out of this thing, and then and then he's called back in to help the Top Gun unit because there's a, a mission that he, only he can do, or or you know, Iceman wants him to come back and train, you know, the, the Top Gun pilots to to take on this, you know, this conflict that they have to deal with, right? So they they do that, and and there is a very touching scene in the middle where, um, and it, it hats off to Tom Cruise or production or whoever did this because. Um, there is a scene in the middle where he, uh, where Iceman says, I need to talk to you. Right. And, and so Tom Cruise goes to, goes to, uh, the character's house. And of course, you know, the character has throat cancer and can't talk. And so he's using his computer, like, like a Stephen Hawking's kind of thing to kind of chat with Tom Cruise in the room. And then eventually the two of them get stand up and they're, and they're right, right beside each other. And Val Kilmer actually does what he, what he can to talk to Tom Cruise in character. Which is really, really, really kind of an interesting scene from a you know point of view of like, what are you going to do in this case? Like you know, we know why he can't be in Mad Mardigan, right? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it was it was really kind of cool. And then at some point, uh, Val Kilmer says something like, you know, um, you know, let let's let's hug it out or whatever. And Tom Cruise just looks at him and goes, "It was a good moment. Let's just leave it at that, right?" Mm. <laughs> So yeah, it was it was it was kind of good good the way they worked him in, and of course there's the whole the whole thing with Goose, you know, uh, there's the 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 legacy of Goose in there and all that kind of stuff. And yeah, I mean they telegraphed um, the Goose's son thing pretty hard in the trailers. So in the yeah, it's hard it's hard to hide the fact that Rooster is Goose's son. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and and there's you know, this conflict between the two of them, and of course yeah, I mean yeah, I think I think from a I think you can probably 
write the story yourself. If if I sort of gave you some some plot points, you'd probably figure out where it's going to go. Um, you know, a few surprises, but nothing nothing that we haven't seen in other movies before, kind of thing. But but totally enjoyable from a, from a roller coaster ride kind of kind of deal. You know, not quite as fun as as the Top Gun ride at Canada's Wonderland, but pretty close. <laughs> yeah, so that's cool. And my last pick is is uh, Pist- uh, Pistol, which is the story of the Sex Pistols. It's actually based on um, uh, Jones's book. Um, Steve Jones uh, was the guitarist for the Sex Pistols. And I, the reason why I thought it was interesting, I've, I'm familiar with the story. Um, Chrissy Hind is in it because she was she uh, was a, had a relationship with, with Steve Jones for a long time while she was in London trying to find her career kind of thing. Um, you know, and, and uh, the whole story of Malcolm McDowell and how he promotes the, the Sex Pistols and sort of almost like a like a an anti boy band kind of idea. Um, uh, an interesting story. A little bit of Sid and Nancy in there. If you've seen this Sid and Nancy, you've already you know probably already know the story of them. Um, but yeah, it was really interesting to see. Uh, and this is um, uh, what's his name, uh, the director Danny Danny Boyle, mm-hmm. right? Brain spotting mm-hmm. guy. So. I think it's six parts. Uh, really interesting. You know, the music's obviously great because if, if you're a Sex Pistols fan, um, and kind of how they went from being non-musicians to actually almost sounding like something, and until they kind of explode at the end there. So uh, the personality conflicts. You you get a real sense of how brilliant Johnny Rotten is or John Lydon is, um, and you know how. Uh, you know the sort of the, the challenges of being working class kids in in growing up in this kind of environment, and uh, it's funny because I knew who Chrissy Hind was in in the story because they only referred her as Chrissy in the they don't actually call her Chrissy Hind until almost the last you know reel of the of the of the show, right? But uh, yeah, so because she emerges as you know the lead singer of the Pretenders at the, at the end of the movie, but yeah, a really a really interesting story if you're if you're into the history of rock and roll and. I mean, punk basically, you know, between the Sex Pistols and the Clash, and if you, you know, kind of on the the dawn of, um, you know, end of disco, dawn of punk, and into new wave, it was kind of a historical time period, and uh, and interesting how you know the British public reacted, and TV reacted, and record record industry reacted, and all that kind of stuff, and and how yeah, it just it was like a, a car car accident pretty much. <laughs> Yeah, does it uh, does it run right up to the end of like the band or the end of like Sid's life or where does it sort of take you to? Um, yeah, it 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 goes it goes. I think it goes up to the it goes up to the rock and roll swindle, which was oh, yeah. um, you know, and and actually the beginning of of Brass and Pocket by by Chrissy Hind, but mm-hmm. um, it goes yeah, it goes through the whole sort of uh, initial uh, Steve Jones putting on putting together the band. And then he realizes when he gets in front of people, he's com- suffers from huge stage, stage fright. He he was originally the singer. Mm-hmm. Um, he's actually illiterate, so that was a challenge for him. Um, and they they kind of allude to it throughout the story, but you get you really get the impression. Um, you know the tragedy of Glenn Matlock, who was the actual talented musician in the band who wrote a lot of the the songs. He was the bass player. Um, how they you know Malcolm McDowell and his and his wife partner um had two steves that uh, one of them was going to become the lead singer and uh they sent you know uh, sorry two johns john 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 Lydon. they sent him over uh, malcolm mcdell sent him over but in fact the wife wanted the other john who was was sid vicious's real name to be the lead singer and then yeah sid was just a real tragedy and and uh, i mean like 
tragic figure. You can you get the get that sense real real early. Um, yeah, it, you know, sort of his you know his mother got him into the heroin and all that stuff, right? So yeah, the, they they really do. Uh, in it's funny because in Chrissy Hines' autobiography, she talks about her relationship with Nancy Spurgeon because uh, they were two Americans in London, right? Um, they had a relatively close relationship according to Chrissy Hines' autobiography, but in this. They make it sound like you know Nancy was just like a car accident kind of thing, right? They're a bit of a bit of a bipolar character, right? Um, and I think yeah, she she was part of the part of the problem for for Sid, right? Yeah, and and you know going through Northern England, they got you know that's where they they got into a lot of fights, and then of course when they came to the states and they did their first American tour, that was a real you know there were a lot a lot of tussles, and you know that's where you know I don't know if you heard the story, you probably know the story about. Did hitting somebody over the head with his bass yeah. guitar and yeah. and you know cutting himself and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it was it was an interesting time in in uh, just in you know punk general punk you know like the spitting and the mosh pitting and you know where where all that sort of stuff came from, right? Yeah, interesting, really really good show. I mean, and of course it's Danny Boyle, so it's told really really well, right? Cool. And it's only six parts. Pretty, pretty and where is it? It's on Disney Plus. Of all yeah, that's, I thought that's where I had seen that it was going to be F bombs and S bombs and yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, Disney that's Disney it. Plus is clearly a different animal here in Canada than it is uh, south of the border. I think. I mean, you made an allusion to that earlier that uh, you know because we're getting the blended, the Hulu plus the Fox plus the all the other stuff. It it definitely is a different platform. Mm-hmm. I think it's FX in the states, right? Yeah, it's, it's it almost feels like a completely uh, yeah. It feels more like Netflix. It's sort of a blended thing here. We sort of take for granted um, that it's not like that elsewhere. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So, yep, that's pretty cool. And I guess that's it for another week. So I guess until next time, Jonathan, people can get in touch with you. Where do they find you? You can always find me on Twitter and Instagram is at JPK News. And Jaime, if people can get in touch with you. I'm on Twitter is at Dev of the Hair. Right. And my name, as usual, is Timitra, T-I-M-M-I-T-R-A, on the Twitter machine is where you'll find me. And so until next time, we'll see you in the future. Bye. 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 You've been listening to the Spotcast Podcast. If you want to find out more about the podcast or see the episode show notes, visit the Spotcast website at spotcast.com. You can get in touch with us on the website or follow us on Twitter at Spotcast. If you have feedback or questions, send us a tweet with the hashtag AskSpotCast. If you like the show, please consider recommending us to a friend, writing a review on iTunes, or pledging any amount at patreon.com slash spotcast. You can find details on how to help us on our website, spotcast.com slash sponsor us. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the future. Smartless last week they had um, um, Ben I can't remember his name the director from um, Severance and Mira's kid Stiller Ben Stiller right. that was a great episode yeah you should you should definitely listen to that one it was uh, talking about his whole career and you know coming up as a kid of you know famous parents and all this 
trying to go through school and figure can you like jason bateman he was a kid actor mm-hmm. right yeah i remember him from yeah. being uh, on uh the valerie harper show right yeah oh was he yeah and then and then uh he was also on his mother's show too for a while yeah. she was like a cop at some point i think yeah. um yeah and talking about you know now he's been directing for the last five years and he's like i can't believe I'm, i've been doing that for five years right and an amazing show amazing stuff he's directing right yeah i've been <laughs> I think half of the time that we're watching Ozark is is my wife and I alternately looking at each other going, it's unfair how good he looks. He just... You're talking about... Uh, Jason Bateman. He's just... He's aging Jason so Bateman, yeah. unbelievably yeah. well. I mean, he's yeah. not... He's only a few years older than me, but God, like, yeah. it's just... He hasn't aged at all. It's freaky. You watched, like, Arrested Development was 25 years ago, and it's he looks the same. Yeah. Have you gotten to the point where you hate Laura Linney? Um, not, I mean, up and down, she's, she's kind of obviously a, a moving target in this show. There are times where she's very, yeah. you know, uh, you, you know, you appreciate her for being the, the tough mama bear and there's times, times where you're like, mm. Ooh, you're a rotten partner. Um, I love Laura Linney. I've like, I've been a fan of hers for 30 years, but, um, yeah. so she's got a, she's got a long leash in my books again. Um, you know, things like the Truman show and, uh, yeah, she's just, yeah, definitely such yeah. an, talented performer we've got to talk about the you know the young lady in um episode two of uh, obi-wan that hands him the drugs that's his daughter yeah that's his daughter yeah, yeah. i was gonna say yeah i saw that that moving its way around the socials this week and they said yeah mm-hmm. they said that the particularly nice part of that is obviously it's we talked about how his uncle was in the original uh trilogy and yeah. and so now it's carried yeah. forward to another generation which is kind of neat yeah well same thing with uh, uh Billy, um, Billy Lord, right? Yeah, although I, she's not exactly a prominent character in in the, the next nope. trilogy. But uh, I mean, what are you gonna do? No, and yeah, yeah, it's cool. So the other thing I, I wanted to mention. So there's a, another one of those weird, like self promotion things happening next week. So next week is what Netflix is calling Geeked Week. Have you guys seen anything about this Geeked Week? Geeked Week? Yeah, no, I haven't I seen this promotion. So if you go to uh, Instagram, I think it's probably on the other socials, but you go to Instagram and put in Netflix geeked, all one word, Netflix geeked. They are teasing that uh, June 6th to the 10th is geeked week. And the feed that's up there is filled with um, Stranger Things stuff and and just, you know, all kinds of, you know, sort of stuff that fits into our milieu. Um, But one of the things that's on there is that it's... uh, they are going to um, announce next week when the start date is for the new Sandman series. And uh, mm-hmm. so they're sort of teasing that this is going to be like a, uh, a week of announcements and shows and, and stuff. So I'm curious to see, um, yeah, what else they've got in mind. So it says uh, June 6th through 10th, Geeked Week 2022, uh, featuring the Umbrella Academy, Sandman, Resident Evil, uh, new episodes of One Piece, um, The Gray Man, Cyberpunk, Stranger Things, the sneak peeks, trailers, cast panels, and so much more to get geeked up about. So it seems like next week we'll have some stuff to talk about because I think we're going to get uh, a little bit of, of nerd news from, from Netflix. Well, next week is WWDC for us, so Jaime and I, we're going to be completely Apple, Apple-centric. Well, I'll, I'll take one for the team and try and pay attention to Geek Week for you. <laughs> yeah. I might have some interviews in the lineup next week. I don't know what's going on with that. I'll try to, try to get them to avoid 
for these two days, but we'll see. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised you don't have a uh, number one uh, fan down uh, standing over your shoulder while you're doing your end of the recording here. You know what? He's well. The recording's a no-brainer. Um, he's he's busy upstairs playing with my all my home kit lights and and stuff. And in the middle of the podcast, the lights down here started turning on and off. I'm like, did you do that? Could you do that at a different time, perhaps? I, I told him that a while back. He was he was telling me he's like, yeah. So grandma, grandma, this cool thing you can like adjust the lights and stuff like that. I'm like. Dude, how is it possible you and I are not pranking my parents all the time by just like making their lights well, come you know, off? And so on. I, I removed I removed him from from <laughs> from that a while ago because like you know like there's no point in him doing this stuff. And then and then um, uh, so he tells me today like all of a sudden he starts they're they're talk they're talking about like because Quinn Quinn was trying to turn off some lights instead of turning them off she removed them from the app. <laughs> like who gives who gives a seven year old an app? <laughs> To work with, right? This is why we have passwords. I said the reason why we have passwords is because of your son. <laughs> yeah, you know, fair. we never used to have passwords on our computer, right? But um, anyway, so so yeah, he of course he added himself back into my profile, and you know, <laughs> off he goes. So yeah, don't worry when when he leaves. It all you know, gets reset. In a couple of days. <laughs> no, in a couple of days when he leaves, I'll just I'll just you know, quietly remove him and not not tell because he yeah he gets notifications on his watch when our devices oh, fail. Oh, well, our devices fail because. Somebody keeps turning them off and unplugging them from the wall. Yeah. Well, and again, that was the, I think that's how it came up because he was sitting here you one day and he got a notification right? on his watch. He's like, "Oh, Grandma and Grandpa's thing," and I was like, "So let me get this straight. You can control Grandma and Grandma's lights from our house." Oh, I sense a great uh, excuse to do like a paranormal haunting video at Grandma and Grandpa's house. <laughs> like, just start turning the lights off and on. Start, you know, the sound of rattling chains. We'll just, uh, yeah, you guys will think you're in a Scooby Doo episode. The very least, you know, turn off the lights when you know it's going to be watching like Strange New Worlds or something, and then turn them on, <laughs> and then make the hey, how, how did it feel when that happened? Was it like feeling the force? <laughs> <laughs> the light just came <laughs> You were bathed in its warmth. <laughs> yeah, that'd work. Yeah, I get it. It just seems like uh, too good to pass up when you can prank somebody. If you can control over their lights, you just have to, you know? Anyway, I don't know if you guys heard, but, but uh, Zoom killed my call again. So I'm going to just drop now and I'll, I'll take whatever you guys just bantered about and <laughs> maybe I'll use it, maybe I won't. All right. Okay. All right. right. Bye. See you next week. Bye. Next. Okay. All right. Later. Bye. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.